Yes, it's that time again. And a very warm welcome to the Josh's Dart History podcast. My name's John, I'm one of your hosts for this podcast. And uh, yeah, here we go, uh, episode three. We are back, we are together, a band of merry men here ready to discuss all things darts. Now then, uh, let's, uh, let's introduce the rest of my co-host, shall we? To my right-hand side, as ever, our darting expert, ladies and gentlemen, it's Josh Gorton. How are you, Josh? I'm very well, thanks, John. How are you? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Had a, had a busy week, a busy day, busy weekend. Uh, lots going on. It's my daughter's birthday over the weekend, so uh, that's been pretty full on. I had a party yesterday looking after... 30 plus kids in a bouncy castle and soft play area. So uh, Sounds very fun weekend. <laughs> that's, a, that's a challenge in itself, um, but all good fun and a, and a happy third birthday to my daughter. And of course, on my left-hand side, the stats man, Mr. Neil Connor. How are you, Neil? All good, thanks, John. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, mate. How's your, uh, how's your week been? Uh, it's been busy, to be honest. Uh, a bit, bit of everything, really. I've, I've been working, uh, a bit of football, uh, caught the darts on Thursday night and... Some cricket yesterday, five hours at cricket for a no result. So that was a little bit frustrating. So yeah, you mentioned the football on the, on the subject of football. Obviously, uh, we've just had some results coming for the last Premier League day of the season. Yeah. And uh, your man Salah has beaten my man Kane to the golden boot. He has indeed. He has indeed. And he's not finished yet. Just, uh, I know we're a darts podcast, but now I've got to get your thoughts. Liverpool, Champions League final, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm going to be optimistic and I think it will be our sixth Champions League. What, win? Yeah. My word. Real Madrid aren't as strong as they've been in the past, and I think we've got players that, that can do them harm. I agree. There's not many teams that have beaten Real Madrid in the Champions League this season. I can only think of, oh, I don't know, one maybe. But that's no good if you then go out in the last in the <laughs> round of 16, is it? So. Yeah, you don't get a trophy for that, John. Sorry, mate. <laughs> but they put the pressure on trophy that we're famous for, which I think is a bit harsh. Anyway, listen, we're not here to discuss football, as I mentioned. We are here to discuss, of course, darts. Um, there's been a lot happening since we uh, recorded episode two. Uh, obviously, lots of Premier League, lots of Euro Tour, Pro Tour events, um, some bits and pieces in the news, um, which we'll come on to a little bit later. I think what we'll probably do first is discuss the Premier League. Uh, Josh, since we last recorded, we've had three rounds of Premier League fixtures and results. Yeah, we recorded after the Rotterdam doubleheader and since then we've had Manchester, Birmingham and then hopefully the final week of league action in Aberdeen. So we've now got our final four confirmed ahead of the playoffs this week at the O2. So we'll be focusing on that coming up soon. Excellent stuff. Um, and then whilst uh, whilst we discuss the Premier League, also we'll bring in to play the Premier League predictions. Some really interesting results over over the last couple of weeks. Neil, you look like you wanted to interject very, very quickly there. What have you got to say about well, the prediction I, I, I think it would be good if we could go through the up-to-date table. Josh, have you got that? You are now five points clear because... Okay. I all right. Let's not, zero let's, let's not give it all away. Week. Let's not give it all away. We need to agree the format for the the final week, which will be this Thursday. So yeah, we'll get that down and um, and, and agree that. So the JDP listeners, well away. JDP listeners, some of them did okay in the in the last two or three weeks rounds of results. Some some very yep. impressive very uh, well. scores there. So we'll um, we'll obviously discuss that. Um, we also look ahead to the playoffs, uh, Premier League playoffs, of course, coming up at the O2 Arena. Uh, we'll discuss the schedule that's uh, coming up for that, the semi-finals, and our thoughts on the final, and of course the eventual winner. 
We'll also be taking a look at the odds as ever. Uh, Neil will be bringing us the latest odds um, for the Premier League players, of course, uh, and also looking to head to some other uh, events and tournaments that are coming up. I think we're going to quite quite a lot this evening touch on the World Cup of Darts, which is uh, one of the next big events um, that's uh, that's on the darting calendar. Uh, I, I've always enjoyed the World Cup of Darts. It's uh, it's a format, obviously, that we don't see very often with you know playing in pairs and. Um, Lots of good memories of the World Cup of Darts. England have had a lot of uh, success over the years and Josh, I've always enjoyed uh, the competition. Yeah, it's great. It's awfully a unique format, like you mentioned, pairs format. You get to see a lot of players and also nations that you don't often see competing in the world of darts. I think of people like Singapore, Spain in recent years have had fantastic run, runs. And you mentioned England, awfully four-time World Cup winners. will be a new-look England this year with Rob Cross making his debut. And um, Dave Chisholm, it looks like, but we'll touch yeah. on that later on, on the show. i tell you what I do like to see in the World Cup of Darts that happens quite often. You get a lot of needle in the mm. World Cup of Darts. When it's country versus country and player versus player, there's, there's always been loads of Barneys in the World Cup of Darts, hasn't there? I remember that England-Australia final yeah, a few years ago with yeah, Nicholson yeah. and Lewis on the stage. Yeah, that was well, quite Nicholson something. didn't want to shake anyone's hand at the end of that, did he? No, he didn't. That was during Nicholson's wild child period. I think he's calmed down a little bit since Oh, he, then. he definitely has. But him and Kim Harbrick's also had a bit of a Barney on stage a few years back as well, so... So yeah, we will look ahead to the World Cup of Darts and, uh, and be discussing the odds for that tournament in particular. Uh, of course, we will be bringing back Challenge Josh. Neil, what do you reckon this week? Uh, it's, I think you'll do well. Um, it's a, it's a PDC-related question, um, and I think you'll probably nail it. Is there, is there any uh, is there any music involved? No, there'll be no singing, no humming, any, woof, uh, and no, any woofing, uh, no woofing <laughs> in, in 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 this episode. So, Josh, you complained uh, about the last one. This one is purely darts related, and you are expected to excel. No pressure. And then we will be moving on and talking about uh, any darts-related items that uh, have come up in the news lately. Neil, you got a few items for us this evening? Yeah, I think there's uh, a number of things that have happened across the world of darts, not just in, in, in the PDC. So we'll touch on uh, four or five items that have, that have um, stood out to us over the past three weeks. Lovely. And once again, the JDP listeners, you lovely lot. You've absolutely uh, overwhelmed us again with questions uh, for us to answer on the show via our Twitter page and our Facebook page. Uh, and we've also got our very first audio question to play on the show. Somebody's taken uh, taken the time to give us a ring on the voice mailbox, 07739738329, and left us a question. And they've managed to do it without swearing, which... Uh, always a bonus. Always a bonus. So uh, we don't have to edit that out. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's the agenda for... Josh's Dartistry podcast this week. However, before we complete the agenda, we've got a very, very, very special announcement to make, something that uh, we're all looking forward to. Josh, do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, very excited to be speaking to Wayne Mardle this week at the Premier League playoffs. We'll be getting Wayne's thoughts on the Premier League season so far, his standout moments, his, who's impressed him, who maybe has disappointed him, and obviously looking ahead to the final four, who he's backing to lift the title at the O2. Neil, Wayne Mardle was uh, obviously a very, very key figure in and around the Premier League, uh, commentator, pundit. Um, you see him online, um, Twitter, and on the Sky Sports uh, website, giving his predictions weekly. Very heavily involved in, well, obviously not just the Premier League darts, but all things PDC. Yep, I, I remember watching Wayne um, play at the World Championships, coming out to his famous Hawaii 5-0 uh, theme tune. He, he, again, he's a real character, Wayne, and I think whenever... You hear from him on, on, on the TV uh, or you follow his Twitter feed. Um, he's always interesting to listen to um, and a real character. 
Not a bad dance player in his day, even knocked, uh, knocked Phil Taylor out of the worlds, I think, once, Josh. Definitely, yeah. I think four or five World Championship semi-finals. Wayne, he's, he's, like I say, he always kind of played up to the kind of jokey persona, but he was a very, very good darts player, top five in the world for a number of years. It'd be interested when you speak to him to um, to understand what his plans are from a playing perspective, because I know that the media side of things has, has kind of taken over. So it'd be interested to see what he says a bit later on that. Excellent stuff. So yeah, we are. We can look forward to uh, Josh's interview with Wayne Mardle. You're listening to the Josh's Dart History podcast. Don't forget you can check us out on Facebook, the Josh's Dart History page. You can also follow us on Twitter at Josh's Dart History. And you can also go to our website, www.joshesdartistry.com, for all the latest news, blogs, and information on the world of darts. Don't forget you can also call us and leave us a message on our voicemail box. That's 07739 738 329. That's 07739 738 329. Call our voicemail box, leave us a message, leave us a question, and we may play it on the show. Now back to the show. Okay, welcome back to the uh, to the JDP. Let's get straight into the latest darts results. Interestingly enough, guys, before we discuss Aberdeen, uh, I believe while we're recording this Sunday evening, we are currently in the midst of the Dutch Masters. Josh, what can you tell us about that? Well, Steve Lennon, as we speak, has just reached his first Euro Tour final, beating Kim Hybrechts. He will face either Michael Van Gerwen or Daryl Gurney in the final. Now, Van Gerwen bidding for his fourth Euro Tour title of the year. He'll be heavy favourite on home soil, but Gurney's a dangerous opponent. They Shared a draw a few weeks ago in the Premier League, so that'll be interesting. But whoever wins that will be a big favourite in the final. Interesting. I think in the first show we had someone uh, ask about Steve Lennon, didn't we? And, and, and his potential to, to break through. So maybe this is the week that that, that will happen. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to that. We might actually have it on the uh, on the TV a little bit later in the background. So if we sound a little bit distracted, then uh, then that's the reason we've got the Dutch Masters uh, in front of us. But we'll try and uh, update you as we go with that one and, and give you some, uh, some live feedback and results. Anyway, without further ado, let's move on to this week's Premier League. Uh, came from Aberdeen, Josh, night 15. Uh, obviously, we've had uh, two previous nights since we last recorded. We had Manchester, Manchester and Birmingham. And Birmingham. Uh, which uh, we'll probably touch on as we as we go through the Aberdeen results, talking about uh, the form off the back of those last two nights. But let's get straight into the Aberdeen results. Uh, night 15, and we opened up uh, Josh with Smith versus Raymond van Barneveld. Yeah, Michael Smith had already secured his top four spot coming into this week, having beaten Peter Wright in Manchester and drawn with Daryl Gurney in Birmingham. Raymond van Barneveld, since the Rotterdam doublehead, has been in really good form, came into this game four games unbeaten, but was unable to qualify for the top four. This was a really interesting game. Barney missed five darts in the first leg to go 1-0 up, but then took out a 1-2-2, 1-2-6 and 1-2-1. Smith also finished really well, 124-107 finishes, both at 3-1-80s apiece. It was a topsy-turvy game, but Raymond van Barneveld came back in the last leg, 91 finished to secure a draw. Really good, entertaining game. And Smith, that secured him second spot in the table. And that was a, that was a vital point for him, wasn't it, with the, with the crossed result as well? Exactly. And obviously everyone was trying to avoid finishing fourth and the potential of facing Michael Van Gerwen. So. Yeah. 
So big result. It was, it, was, it, was a, it was a funny old game. I remember I, I sat down, stuck the TV on, and I thought, I, I thought it would be... I think I predicted uh, Van Barneville to win because I think Michael Smith's been here, wasn't he? He's, He's a pleurisy. pleurisy yeah. um, and not, then, not nice, the old pleurisy. No, that, it's not. That's a real, that's a real yeah. horrible thing to get, that is the old chest infection. And yep. Fair play to him for getting up on stage and, and completing yep. it because that's horrible. No, it is, it is. And then I turned it on and um, I wasn't sure what to expect. I, I thought Smith would be off his game because of his illness, but... All of a sudden, they just started going toe for toe and, and reining in these these ton plus finishes, and it was a terrific game to watch. I mean, Barnabas was always in control. I felt in terms of the scoring. I mean, he missed darts like I say to go one nil up. He was five four up, then missed three darts to go six four up. But Smith, fair play to him. His timing was really good. Battled well, took out a really good 107 to get a point. Yeah, great game to start the night. I'll be honest, lads, on reflection of, uh, obviously we'll touch on the uh, the remaining games in a minute, but for me, I thought it was match of the night, personally. Yeah, I agree. The amount of, uh, the t- you've already mentioned the ton-plus finishes, four out of the first le- uh, six legs, ton-plus finishes. Um, and uh, Listen, I've got to pay respect to Michael Smith. We've bigged him up on this show plenty of times. It's not like we've ever slagged him off, but I noticed that Smith was 80-1. to 1 to win the title before the competition even started. And he was third favourite to finish, um, to be relegated, sorry. Um, so to, to see how he's finished in the, in the league table moving into the playoffs. I dare say that Michael Smith backed himself to be in that position in the first place, but I'll take my hat off to him. I think he's been absolutely sensational and I just hope he's fit and well for the playoffs next week. Yeah, of course. I mean, his debut Premier League came in 2016. He really struggled. I think he had to play two matches on the opening night that year because Gary Anson was unwell and he lost both matches and that just put him on the back foot and he got eliminated. Only got the one win across his first season, but he's shown real maturity and he's shown how much he's come on as a darts player over those last two years and listen, he's the, he's the outsider out the four players with the bookies, he's the outsider but don't write him off because he's proven in the Premier League what he's capable of achieving. So obviously the conclusion of that game would be the uh, meant it was the last time we'd see um, Van, Roman van Barneveld in the Premier League uh, for this season. Um, will we see him in next year's Premier League, Josh? I expect so. I mean, Raymond's such a big big name in the world of darts now, and with Phil Taylor retiring, he's like the elder statesman of the sport. Obviously, it depends on how he does this year. He's already reached the Masters final. He's usually always good for a run in the big major, Raymond. Usually the World Championships, World Grand Prix, Grand Slam, he usually performs quite well in. I expect to see him in there, and I hope to see him. He had a good, good end to the season, Raymond. Unbeaten in his last five games, and his last four were all against the top four. Beat Michael Van Gerwen, beat Gary Anderson. So he's shown signs of return to form, which is encouraging for all Barney fans. I think the other question is whether we'll see Josh if Raymond Van Barneveld is not in the <laughs> Premier maybe, League. Maybe you're going to hide in. I'm, I'm off if he's out. <laughs> okay, yeah, of course we uh, we all hope we we'll see um, we we'll see Barney in the Premier League. Okay, moving on. Uh, second match of the night was Simon Whitlock versus Rob Cross. Josh. Yeah, it also emerges awfully that Rob Cross has also been unwell. We didn't really know about it until until recently, but he um he's pulled out this week's Dutch Darts Masters. He's been complaining of of chest pain for a, for a while, and he's damaged a cartilage in his sternum. Everyone seems everyone seems to be ill and suffering from injuries and illnesses and God knows what else. Well, it's so. interesting. I mean, Rob Cross this is his debut Premier League. Marcus Smith only his second Premier League, and they're both compared to like Marco Van Gerwen, Gary Anderson, the elder statesman of the Premier League. They're more used to the schedule and managing it. It's such a draining tour now with tournaments yeah. every weekend. And I just think it's taken its toll on Rob Cross. Obviously, it's his first Premier League. And it was a scrappy game against Whitlock. I mean, he hit 5 180, scored pretty well, but never really had that consistency. 89 average, which for Cross is well below par. And Whitlock, he wasn't at his best, but he was really dogged, really resilient. He wanted to try and avoid finishing eighth in the league. It's funny you say the word dogged, Josh. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> just looking at my notes, the first thing I wrote down on my piece of paper for this game was Whitlock opens with a 15. Yeah, it wasn't didn't really set the set his stall out there, no, did he? No. So uh, fortunately, the uh, the quality did improve slightly. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. It was a it was a pretty 
dogged match. Did recover the quality as they, as they went through the game. And I think six all probably a fair result in the end, uh, Josh. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Simon beat Rob Cross 7-1 when they met in week two. And Rob Cross was a big favourite for this game. Got an, into an early lead, but missed chances for a double break. And Whitlock capitalised well and got a deserved point, I think. It's not, it's not been easy for Whitlock. He started off really well. One is opening three games. A lot of people questioned his inclusion. But since then, it's been a struggle. He's only won two of his last 11, I think, coming into this. So I think as the season's gone on, he's found it difficult to kind of maintain that early form he showed. I also think when you're, when you're down the lower end of the table and you know that you, you've got no realistic chance, it, it's hard to, to get yourself up for, for winning these games. And I, yeah, I think it goes one or two ways. It's either, like you say, you're kind of resigned to your fate and you, you yeah. struggle to get the motivation or it kind of releases the shackles a bit. You play with freedom. There's no yeah. pressure on you. And, I think that's what Barnabas said when he played Gary Anderson. He went up there, just relaxed, played his game, 101 average. So it can go either, either of two ways, I think. I think it'll be interesting to see how Cross is. Um, as, as you said, Josh, he's got this injury. Um, and hopefully the weekend off will do him some, some favours. Because, as you say, it is a gruelling schedule. You've got Thursday night Premier League, and then you're travelling either Thursday night itself or Friday for these Pro Tour or, or Euro Tour events that can go on till Sunday. And then it's back to Monday, preparing for, for the Premier League on, on, on the Thursday the following week. So it's, it's tough. And it's mentally demanding, I think. And, um, yeah, not easy. No, that's the key. I mean, like you, like you say, it's Robbie, Rob's first appearance in the Premier League this season. and It's impossible to maintain that your top level when you're playing all these tournaments week, you know, day in, day out. Gary Anderson doesn't play any of the Euro Tours. And I think that could be quite telling come finals night. He'll be relatively fresh in comparison to the others. So we'll see how that goes. Okay, yeah, so that was our second draw of the evening. uh, And that meant that Gary Anderson had to beat um, Michael Van Gerwen to leapfrog Rob Cross. And we'll touch on, obviously, Van Gerwen and Anderson's match in a moment. But next up was Peter Snakebite Wright versus Daryl Superchin Gurney, Josh. Yeah, Daryl Gurney came into this match knowing he had to beat Peter Wright by 7-2 or better to keep his qualification hopes alive. It was a strange old game, really. Daryl was averaging 81 in the early stages, but still went into a 3-1 lead after Peter Wright missed, I think, eight of his first nine darts at double. But Gurney just looked a little bit inhibited compared to recent weeks where he'd been scoring so well. But in fairness to him, he recovered. I think he got 13 followed by a 12 darter to go 5-2 up. And at that stage, I thought Daryl might be able to get 7-2 win and take it into the final match between him, Anderson and Gurney. But Wright... Came back well in front of his home crowd, got the point he wanted with a 97.4 average to leapfrog Whitlock in the league and cement seventh position. And that meant with a six-all draw that Gary Anson was already assured of his place in the top four before facing Van Gerwen. Yeah, as the match started, I thought, you know, hello, we're going to see, a, not an upset, but I don't think many people predicted he'd win by, by the five legs that he needed to um, to qualify. But at the start, it, it looked like he, he could possibly get there. Yeah, I mean, I think if you'd have said 12 months ago that Peter Wright would lose 7-2, you'd say, well, definitely not. You know, he's one of the most solid campaigners on the circuit. But Peter Wright has suffered, I think, four 7-1 defeats this year, including three in a row. So he has been susceptible to getting thrashed in this Premier League, and he's been inconsistent. So when he went 5-2 up, Daryl, I thought he was going to do it at one stage. Yeah, interesting again that Peter Wright, I think he changed his darts again, didn't he? So yeah. I think they were four grams heavier. So they were saying, yeah. yeah. Well, Pete, Peter Wright, up, in the, up until the fourth leg, I noted that Peter Wright had missed nine double attempts up to that point. Yeah. Um, and, and I think he was he was struggling a little bit. And that's what, what made me think that, you know, Gurney could actually do this. I think in, the, in recent meetings they've had in the past, Gurney's gone into like a 5-0 lead in two of the last three three games they've had. And I thought if he could... When he got 5-2 up, I really thought it was on. But he never really was at his best, Gurney. And Peter Wright in front of a home crowd was, was roared on by them. And 
He got the draw he needed to leap for a Whitlock, and it's not been a great campaign for Peter Wright. He was a finalist last year, finished seventh this year. Took him a long time to get going, didn't it? Yeah, he's awfully had his gallstones exactly. at the World Championship yeah. last year, and I don't think he's ever really got back to his, his top form since then. Although it's, it's strange, he's beaten Marco van Gerwen twice in this Premier League, and he's got nothing to show for it. Yeah, Plenty of, uh, plenty of home support, though, for Peter Wright from the crowd. Yeah, definitely. And a solid enough Premier League performance from Daryl Gurney overall, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Daryl Gurney, I think the only frustration for him is early on it took him, I think, until week seven to get his first win on the board. He drew four of his first six games and was was in charge of games against Barney, Price and Anderson. Had quite a big lead and was just unable to close it out. And those draws early on cost him. I mean, he's only lost four games. Yeah. But eight draws is just too many. I think mm-hmm. he only won four games. Whereas you compare to some of the other players, seven or eight is just that was a deciding factor. Whoever was in charge of the music for the uh, for the right Gurney game, I don't know if you noticed it. Once uh, once it got to six uh, four, somebody started playing the music. Oh really? Cause, yeah, because yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they thought I think somebody thought the match had ended. Oh, I was blogging for the, the yeah. Sky, so I was too focused. I, I missed that. There was a bit of a uh, bit of confusion, and then all of a sudden the music cut out, and they carried on playing <laughs> darts again. So somebody got fired that night. Um, so that was our third our third draw in a row, and obviously thoughts started to lean towards: Can we possibly see? for the first time ever, uh, four six-all draws. Never happened in the Premier League before. And I think the commentators were saying that before the evening started, I think it was 200 to one for, for four draws. 600 to one. 600 to one for uh, for four draws. Neil, you didn't, bring us, uh, you didn't bring us that stat in your last odd section. No, um, uh, apologies. Uh, I obviously missed that one. <laughs> okay, so uh, we move on to the final game of the evening. Uh, it was Michael Van Gerwen against Gary Anderson, Josh. Yeah, as I mentioned awfully earlier, Gary Anthem was assured of his place in the top four after Daryl Gurney and Peter Wright drew six all. But there was still a fair bit to play for for Gary Anthem because he wanted to try and avoid finishing fourth and playing Michael in the semi-finals. And he did just that with a really good performance. Um, and he's not made, beaten Michael Van Gogh in the Premier League since 2015, interestingly. Yeah, and that was in the final, I think, when they met. So it was That's a big right. win for Anderson. Awfully in front of his home crowd in Scotland. He always gets incredible support there, almost similar to Barney's level of support in Holland. There were a few boos for, for Michael Van Gogh and God bless him when he came out. All good natured though, and I think Michael took it as that. But it was a strange old game, really. Michael only at 1-180, which is un, you know, unheard of for him. And Anderson dominated the, the scoring stakes, took out a brilliant 1-2-1 to go 3-2 up, which was a turning point. And then at 5-4, I think with Van Gogh in ready to level at 5 or Anderson took out 112 for a point. But it was amazing. Michael, I think, missed topped for a 160 twice in the game and also yeah. missed a ball for a 170 so it's just fine margins one of those goes in it's a different game I wanted to touch on uh, the fact uh, that Michael Van Gogh in playing in Aberdeen normally a very happy stomping ground for Michael Van Gogh because he of course hit his record TV average of 123.4 in 2016 when he beat Michael Smith 7-1 yeah I, I remember that night it was an incredible performance and I think Michael was on call for 134 at one stage I think he missed about three darts at a double to win 7-0 and his average dropped by about 10 points it was remarkable but I don't think Michael will be too concerned, but obviously Anderson and Van Gerwen could well meet in the final. So psychologically, that could be quite a big factor. You never know. Yeah, and I think w- what you said earlier about Anderson not playing many of the the Pro Tour and Euro Tour uh, events, he could be fresher. I know, I know Van Gerwen had what, uh, a weekend off a couple of weeks back, yeah. but mentally he may be he may be fresher, and you know he played very very well. And Anderson's got experience of being in the Premier League now for a number of years, so he yeah. knows what it takes. He's won it twice. He knows what it takes, and he, he's going to be one to watch, certainly. And I think it could well be an Anderson Van Gogh in final, especially with the illness that Smith and Cross are suffering with at the yeah. moment. What struck me in the match, lads, was particularly after the first um, the first four legs, the pace. I mean, the, the, 
the speed of that game was absolutely rapid. There were two breaker throws to start us off. And by the time we got to the fourth, I looked at my watch and we'd only been playing about 10 minutes. I was like, blimey, that, they were absolutely rapid, rapid fire start to that game. I couldn't believe it. I was obviously like, say, I was at Sky that night, uh, blogging the action, doing the live updates. And every time I was kind of finishing a comment for a leg, I was looking up and they were on a finish again. It was just incredible, the pace. But they both enjoy playing against each other. They said that because there's no mind games. There's no tactics to try and slow each other down. It's just get up, throw, whoever win, you know, whoever throws the best wins and the biggest rivalry in darts at the moment. Even though Rob Cross obviously had that fantastic win against Van Gerwen at the Worlds and Peter Wright is the world number two. I think Anderson and Van Gerwen's the game everyone wants to watch. On commentary, they alluded to the fact that it was a bit of a strange, not a strange match, but a strange situation in as much as that, you know, they were commenting on you wouldn't get this situation in any, any other competition or any other sport really because they were both obviously safe and, and through and it was more a case of you know, working out who they were going to play in the semi-finals. I don't think anyone ever thought that either of them would take their foot off the gas or or, or, or try and manufacture a result to no, work no, out who they not. were playing in the in the semi-finals. But it was a bit strange that you know they were both up there, were both qualified already, and really we were just playing for for the pick of the draw in the semi-finals. But I think no one wants to go into the playoffs on the back of a defeat. No, it's like you can't you can't turn your form off like on and off like a tap. You know, it's, it's difficult. And I think for I don't think Van Gerwen, he's he's so confident in his own ability. He's won so many tournaments this year. I don't think he'll be affected by that, but I think with Anderson, that gives him a massive confidence boost. But it's quite funny because obviously his victory means he's finished third in the table. He'll now take on Michael Smith. And he admitted he'd rather have played Van Gerwen than Smith because obviously yeah. him and Smith are good friends. He's mentored Smith. So I think they both find it difficult to play against each other. So he said he'd have rather played Van Gerwen. Do we believe him? I'm not sure, but... Also during that game, it was nice to see the uh, the camera cut to uh, Big John Henderson was in the crowd uh, that night, and the camera cut to him a couple of times. How is uh, how is John Josh? Have you uh, got any updates for us on on Hendo? How he's been how he's been doing? What he's been up to? No, he's had a good start to the season on the on the pro tour, and obviously last year was his best season in the PDT to date. Reached the World Grand Prix semi-finals, beat Van Gerwen and Van Barneveld en route. Also had a good chance at the World Championship and beat Daryl Gurney there. So yeah, John's John's in good form at the moment. Excellent stuff. Maybe one day we'll see him in the Premier League up on the hockey himself rather than rather than in the crowd. Okay, moving on. Uh, Premier League playoffs take place at the O2 uh, next week. Before we actually discuss the fixtures and the games and what we think is going to happen, Neil, I want to get your thoughts because I know you've been there. Your thoughts on the O2 as a as a darting venue. Personally, I prefer Ali Pali. Yeah, why, um, why? I just think it's it's a better size of venue. Uh, do you I, think the O2 is too big? I, I do feel it's it's too big because um, the the two times I went, one one time I was upper tier, one time I was lower tier. Um, for some reason it was very raucous uh, and and trouble broke out both times so it just seems a more boisterous atmosphere um, where which I've never really experienced at Alexander Palace and at the Circus Tavern before so for me um, Ali Pali far outstrips um, the O2. Josh you ever been to the O2? Yeah only as a fan to watch a few Premier League Playoffs, like I say, and the darts itself was brilliant. But I, I, I see what Neil's saying in terms of the venue. Ali Pali Circus to having a more intimate, whereas the O2 you can be quite far away from the from the action. But um, yeah, it should be it should be a fantastic night. The four best players in this Premier League have all made the top four, so made the best man win. Okay, so Premier League playoffs uh, at the O2. The semi-finals are as follows: Michael Smith versus Gary Anderson, and Michael Van Gerwen versus Rob. Cross. I suppose, really, lads, we need to discuss where we see this going. Let's talk Michael Smith versus Gary Anderson first. Josh, how do you see this playing out? 
Well, they've both met, obviously, they've played each other twice so far in the league phase. Marco Smith beat Gary Anderson 7-5 in week one. Gary was struggling with a back problem at that point. Yeah. They met again in Rotterdam, and Anderson did a job on him. Fantastic performance, 109 average. It's going to be a tough one, but I think Gary Anderson comes out on top. We know Marco Smith, as we've mentioned, has been unwell, been suffering with pleurisy, but I think, irrespective of illness, I think Gary Anderson's got the experience. I think Marco Smith, because he's so friendly with Gary Anderson, he looks up to him. And I think sometimes he almost shows him too much respect on the hockey. I think Anderson's obviously he's experienced finals night many on many occasions. And I think with Smith, he's been so so impressive. But the one the one negative of his Premier League campaign, we look there, he's got five losses, and all of those have been against players in the top four. Lost twice to Van Gerwen, lost twice to Rob Cross, and obviously lost to Anderson. So he struggled against the, the best players in his tournament. And I think Anderson comes out on top in that one. Okay, Neil, thoughts on the uh, Smith v Anderson? Yeah, um, I, I agree. I think. It's going to be an Anderson victory. I think he's coming into form, maybe a bit refreshed, as as, as we've spoken about. Uh, Smith has, has obviously had pleurisy, as, as we've mentioned. Looking at this weekend's result, I think he got knocked out of the Euro Tour event 6-0 to Stephen Bunting. Surprised he's taking part, if I'm honest. I think the only reason he said he was taking part is because this was the final week before the World Cup cut-off. Right. And he was desperate to try and win the tournament, yeah. which would have got him in the World Cup with Rob Cross. So yeah. fair play to him, but... Good on him to honour his commitment and, and, and try and make the World Cup team. Um, but losing 6-0 in the lead-up to you know, a, a big night on Thursday for him is, is not ideal preparation, especially when you've been ill as well. So I think Gary will win and I think it will be comfortable as well. OK, well, we'll, we'll discuss our predictions in terms of scoring um, a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, I probably agree with, uh, with you two both. I don't really see anything other than a Gary Anderson victory in that one. Probably sounds a little bit unfair, um, probably stacking the odds too heavily in Gary's favour. As I mentioned earlier, I'm, I've been really impressed with Michael Smith and to finish second in the league table. Could all be to play for, but I, w- I would still back Gary Anderson to uh, progress into the final. And that would be my tip. Michael Van Gerwen versus Rob Cross will be our second semi-final. Josh, what you got? Yeah, Michael Van Gerwen and Rob Cross, obviously, when, when we talk about that fixture, we all remember that incredible game at the World Championship, the semi-final. I think the best game I've ever seen live. Southern Death Decider, which Rob Cross won, but they've met twice in the Premier League since then, and on both occasions, Van Gerwen's come out a 7-2 winner. Averaged 111 against Cross in Birmingham just a couple of weeks ago, which is the highest average in the league phase so far, and I think, I think Van Gerwen comes out on top. He's going to be a bit of a wounded animal after losing to Anderson last week. Rob Cross has been unwell, as we say, in the last few weeks, and I think he's coming into this form without a win in five games. Three draws, two defeats. So I think it all points towards a Mark Van Gerwen victory. Uh, Neil, Van Gerwen, Rob Cross. I, I will agree with Josh that I think Van Gerwen will win. I don't think Cross, from having watched him over the past 12 months, is is intimidated by Van Gerwen. Um, I don't see him getting uh, intimidated by anything. But again, as Josh said, his form in this has not been great leading into uh, this week. And also... Um, we don't know what the after-effects of his, of his injury is going to be. If you've got a chest injury and you're a darts player, it seems to me that that's going to you know, make life, life a little bit difficult. So if they were both fit and healthy, I think it would be very, very tight and could go either way. But I think based on circumstances, I would, I would go with Van Gerwen. I would probably, again, go with you two. I, I, I see Van Gerwen winning this. I don't think he's going to be... I don't think he's going to railroad him by any means. Rob Cross is our world champion after all, uh, and he's finished in the in the top four. But I just uh, I, looking at his form there, we have just got the league table in front of us. You know, lost, draw, draw, lost, draw. Doesn't seem really to be on a, on a run of form at the moment. Um, Michael Van Gerwen, as we know, he did, he did he's had those losses against Barney and of course Ando um, there in in Aberdeen the other night. But um, I just think Michael Van Gerwen will will progress uh, and beat Rob Cross. 
Um, it's very difficult for us to talk about a final and a final winner because obviously we, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to any of the four players that are still in it, um, and it's probably wrong for us to to sit around the table and, and and say that the final will be this versus this. Nothing, anything could happen on the night, and uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But I would like to ask you both who your predicted winner will be of the tournament, Josh. Well, as we've mentioned, I think this Premier League being one of the most unpredictable tournaments so far. So I'm predicting an Anderson Van Gerwen final, which probably means it'll be Rob Cross against Michael Smith. <laughs> but um, I'm going to go for a bit of an outside. I'm going to go for Gary Anderson to win this. I mean, we, we saw him beat Van Gerwen in Aberdeen the other week. You mentioned the last time he beat him was in the 2015 final. I mean, Michael Van Gerwen, this is his sixth Premier League campaign, the sixth time he's finished top of the table. But he's... He's not had it all his own, own way in finals night previously. He's lost to Van Barneveld in the final in 2014 and lost to Anderson in the 2015 final. And I think when you top the league, there's more pressure on you because you've topped the league, you kind of feel you've earned the right to win the tournament. Yeah. And I think if someone who finishes fourth, for example, or third, it's a bit, you know, you don't want to lose your title to them because you've been more consistent than them. But it's all on the night. Anderson is not scared of Van Gerwen. He's beaten him in major finals before and I'm tipping Anderson to edge him out in a, in a classic final at the O2. My winner is Gary Anderson as well. I think he's coming into form at, uh, at a nice time. He played with excellent rhythm last Thursday in, in beating Van Gerwen. Uh, assuming that it is Michael Van Gerwen that he plays in the final, I think he's one that can go toe-to-toe with him. I think he will have the edge. I've watched a lot of Van Gerwen of late, um, also on Pro Tour and, and, and Euro Tour. I think I touched on it last time. I do feel there is an air of complacency. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Uh, about his game at the moment. Controversial. And I think when it really counts, that might be costly for him. And I think Anderson will come out on top, assuming it is them two in the final. I would like to go against both of you. However, I'm not going to. I, I also think Gary Anderson's going to win this. Neil, you're, you're spot on. I was going to mention the fact that you brought up um, in the last episode uh, some of the goings-on that were, were happening on the weekend tours. Some, uh, I think we used the word showboating a couple of times. And listen, yeah. he's good enough to do that. I'm not. That's not to his detriment. If you're good enough to play like that and to throw those kind of... Listen, we're all here to be entertained at the end of the day. Um, no one wants to see you know a boring game of darts. And Van Gerwen is certainly an entertainer. But... I think coupled with, with, with those things that we discussed previously, um, his form, he's only won two of his last five. Anderson's got the third win uh, under his belt, although he does have the two losses uh, in the middle of that. But I, 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 just, I just have a sneaking feeling Gary's going to beat him to it. <clears throat> I think you're right, Neil. I think Gary is coming into form at the right time. There is something to be said uh, for that um, and, and, and getting your timing right. Um, we did, we talk about timing in the worlds all the time, you know, coming into form and because it is a long format tournament. This is obviously the longest format tournament available, and uh, I, I agree. I think Gary's coming coming right into form now. And uh, yeah, if you're asking me where my money's going, I'm going Gary Anderson, the same as all three of you. Wow. That means Gary Anthony will not win the Premier League this year, so <laughs> yeah. sorry for that. Yeah, we should all apologise to Gary now because we've probably uh, probably jinxed it and put a curse on him. But um, no, that's a unanimous uh, that's a unanimous decision. Let us know uh, who you think is going to win uh, the uh, Premier League on um, the playoff final nights. Tweet us obviously at Josh's Dartistry. Follow us on the Facebook page. Uh, let us know your thoughts. And uh, yeah, we're all looking forward to next Thursday night as the Premier League comes from the O2. Hi, this is Rob Stone from Sky Sports, and you're listening to Josh's Dartistry.
Okay, so Premier League playoff predictions. Uh, Michael Smith versus Gary Anderson in one semi and Michael Van Gerwen versus Rob Cross in the other. Uh, interesting to note, uh, the semi-finalists, Josh, they pick up £80,000 for appearing in the semi-final. The runner-up picks up a call cool £120,000 and our winner will receive a cheque for £250,000. Not bad for uh, for a night's work. Well, it's not a night's work, is it really? Because it's been going on for 16 weeks. But um, pretty good prize money in the Premier League, Josh. Yeah, not a bad payday at all. Like I say, great incentive for the players, although they don't really need one. Obviously, the status of being Premier League champion is enough of a... Incentive itself, but yeah, not a bad payday. How does all. that? How does that? Um, the the winner, two hundred and fifty thousand. How does that compare to the worlds? What's the prize for the worlds? The worlds now is four hundred thousand. Wow, you win it. that's that's the biggie. But the Premier League is the second second highest um, prize money for the winner. Okay, and uh, before we predict, obviously, we need to note the fact that the format in terms of the scoring is uh, slightly different, Josh. I believe we are first to 10 in the semi and first to 11 in the final, is that right? Yep, best of 19 in the semi-finals, best of 21 in the finals, so the longer format, in theory, should suit the likes of Van Gerwen, who are, you know, the longer the format, you do the tougher they are to beat, but in his case, obviously, he lost to Rob Cross in a best of 11 set semi-final of the world, so you never know. Okay, so JDP listeners, obviously do bear that in mind when you give us our predictions, uh, first to 10 in the semi and first to 11 in the final. Uh, We're going to predict the scores and the result of the two semi-finals. What we're not going to do is give the score for the final because obviously we don't know who the finalists will be. But what we will do, we'll pick our winner. Um, And I believe, Neil, we're going to offer five points, five bonus points to ourselves and the JDP listeners for uh, picking the correct winner. And then how many points do we get from predicting the correct score from the semis? Okay, so the rules for the semi-final will be as they've been over previous weeks. So it'll be three points for a correct score. But if you don't get the correct score and you get the match result right, you'll still earn a point. There will be, as you say, an additional five points awarded for those that correctly predict the winner of the tournament. But as you say, we will not ask for the score in the final because we don't know who the finalists will be at this stage. Yeah, fair. Okay, so uh, let's delve straight in. Uh, Let's go to Josh first. Michael Smith versus Gary Anderson. Yeah, we touched on this briefly a a few minutes ago. It'll be a quick-fire contest, but I'm backing Anderson to win 10-6. I think his experience will pay dividends. Smith being unwell with pleurisy, so I think it all points towards an Anderson victory here, 10-6. Neil? I'll go 10-5. And I will go Gary Anderson, 10, Michael Smith, 7. I think it's going to be a little bit tighter than you two. Some tactical... Uh... <laughs> well, let's be honest. We need, looking at the league table, which I'm sure we'll touch on shortly, we, we need to. But the fact that we've already previously mentioned we've all backed Gary Anderson to win it, and uh, then we're not really going to be gaining much advantage on Union. I could go tactically, back Van Gerwen and, and, and nick another five points against you, but I've already declared my... Uh, my belief that Anderson will win the tournament, so uh, that would be a bit of foul play there, really, so I can't really do that. Um, okay, moving on. Josh, second semi-final of the night will be Michael Van Gogh versus Rob Cross. What do you fancy? Again, it's a tough one to judge because we don't know how Rob Cross is in terms of his injury, whether he's be 100% fit or not. I think Van Gogh wins anyway, but I'm going to say Michael Van Gogh will win 10-5. Neil? I will also go 10-5. Oh, that is tactical. That is very, very tactical. I'm not impressed with that. Well, on that basis, I'm going to say Michael Van Gerwen is going to win 10-6. Can, can I change my scoreline? No. Uh, well, hang on a minute. Whoa, what's what's, whoa, all, what's all this about, Josh? Can I change my score? Well, he's clearly he's in the lead. Neil knows what he's doing. It's, it's slyness from him. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. 
I think really I should have been asked second <laughs> on this occasion. All uh, all predictions are legal and binding, I'm afraid. Josh, no, you can't change your score. Sorry, buddy. I'm off. See you later. <laughs> that's just me and Neil to finish the show. Now we're in trouble. Um, okay, so that's our predictions for the semi-final, uh, the winners of the semi-finals and indeed the scores. Josh, I now want you to confirm your winner of the Premier League. Uh, hang, on, hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. What? Have we not already predicted who we think is going to win the Premier yeah, League? Yeah, but just for, listen, we're going to need to, uh, when we come to do the league table, I know for a fact, because we can never remember anything, we're going to have to listen back to the podcast and write everything down so that we can get the points in order. So just for official confirmation, Neil, let's, uh, let's confirm our winners. Josh? Can Neil go first, please, John? <laughs> what is the matter with you two? As I've said before, this is supposed to be a bit of fun. Actually, you can go first, John. Gary Anderson, Neil. Gary Anderson. Josh. Michael Van Gogh. Oh, hang on. <laughs> We've got to keep it interesting. I've changed my mind. Michael Van Gogh. I think you've just lost a lot of respect from the JDP listeners. All three of us probably. Neil, what you, would you make of that? I'm not happy, I have to say. Are you seriously going... All, all predictions are legal and binding, Neil? Are you seriously going Van Gogh in? Yes. What are the standings, Josh? Have you got them? I haven't got them to hand, but you are now five points clear because... So that, 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 those five points then could be quite yeah, important. They could be, but those, those three points where I predicted a Van Gogh in 10-5 winning at the cross could also be quite important. But what about the two minutes you spent justifying why Gary Anderson would win it? For you now to predict that Michael Van Gerwen will Yeah, but hang on. Let's Five minutes is a long time in darts. Let's say Smith beats Anderson. He gets nothing for that. Let's say Cross beats Van Gerwen. He gets nothing for that. And then he's not going to get five bonus points anyway because, neither, because his pick isn't in the final. Michael Van Gerwen's not in the final. And Gary Anderson's not in the final. So you would stay five points ahead. Listen, my own personal situation, I'm bottom of the league. I don't think I can catch up anyway. But you're, you're assuming that him going Michael Van Gerwen, he's going to get the, the five points. Might not even get to that stage. I think you're, very being, true. Think you're being very disrespectful to, uh, to some of the players still in the competition, Neil. I'm not being disrespectful. I know he's just changed it to give himself a chance of winning the competition. He said Gary Anderson would win. He, uh, I didn't I say can't. he would win. I said I thought he might have the edge. But Mark- so why now, five minutes later? Well, Marco Van Gerwen has reached the Dutch Darts Masters finals. We've just seen he's beaten Daryl Gurney 7-6. He's got the form on his side. Live, so. live updates from the Dutch Masters coming through. So I'm backing Van Gerwen to lift his fourth Premier League title. Okay. <laughs> Neil's livid. <laughs> An icy stare across the table. A bead of sweat rolls down the side of Neil's temples. Right, enough of that nonsense. Let's move on. Um, okay, so there are uh, there are predictions. Don't forget, guys, we really, really want to hear from you, the JDP listener. We want to hear your predictions for the playoffs at the O2. You can, of course, tweet us on Twitter at Josh's Dartistry. You can contact us on Facebook. Don't forget uh, to check us out on Facebook, the Josh's Dartistry Facebook page. Just do a search on Facebook and you'll find us. Neil, prizes available for, uh, for, for playoff night. Yep, uh, once again, the leading point scorer, of the JDP listeners will receive a Josh's Dartistry mug. Good to see that winners from previous weeks have received their mugs and enjoying them. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of photos appearing on social media of people uh, who've received their mugs. Yep, seems to be a popular product. I reckon in years to come it could be uh, could be quite a valued piece. Uh, you can also contact us via our voicemail box. Uh, you can leave us questions there. But you can also leave your predictions if you wish, if it's easier for you. And you can always give us a ring. I feel happy, won't you call me on the telephone? 
Call the boys on 07739 738329. That's 07739 738329 and leave them a message. Cool, what are the odds? Okay, let's hand over to our resident odds checker, Neil Connor. Thank you very much, John. I think. There's only one place to start, and that's with the Premier League this coming Thursday. Yeah. So let's start with the two semi-final matches. Uh, well, these are coming to you from Paddy Power, and the first match: Michael Smith versus Gary Anderson. So you can get Michael Smith at fifteen to eight to win the match, and Gary Anderson is two to five or five to two on. Clear favourite. Yep, the second semi-final that we've already discussed, Michael Van Gerwen versus Rob Cross. No surprise that Van Gerwen is favourite to win. Rob Cross 4-1, to one, which Decent I think is, a, is very good value for the world champion. And Michael Van Gerwen 6-1 to one on. So that's the semi-final matches. And then to win outright, Josh, uh, who, who, who do you think will win? Let, let's not do this again. Come on. No comment. I just think two minutes have passed. He may have changed his mind again. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Michael Smith. Okay. So, my, Michael Van Gerwen is favourite. He is nine to four on. Gary Anderson's sec- second favourite at seven to two. So, again, some decent value for Gary if you think he's going to do it. Rob Cross, the world champion, eight to one. Very good odds for Rob Cross. And Michael Smith, the outsider. At 10 to 1. And as I mentioned earlier, before the uh, tournament even began, uh, Michael Smith 80 to 1 to win the tournament. Yep. That's, uh, that's obviously come crashing down now that, he's, uh, now that he's into the semi-finals. Yeah, we've seen outside of winning it in the past. Barnabas, when he won it in 2014, was the full favourite. He beat Taylor and Van Gogh on the same night to win it. And Michael Smith, we've seen he's, he's had a fantastic Premier League season, so can't write him off. I think all four are capable, let's be honest. They've all beaten each other you know, over the years and over various tournaments. But obviously, Neil, there are two clear clear favourites there. Yeah, and I think as we as we said in our predictions that they're the two that we expect to 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 make the final. But there is some value, particularly in my opinion, for Gary Anderson. Well you say that, breaking news, Josh has just changed his mind and he's gone for Rob Cross. <laughs> okay, Neil, what else you got for us, buddy? Uh, okay, so moving over to the World Cup of Darts. Odds again, this time brought to us by Sporting Bet. Sorry to interrupt you, Neil. Josh, when is the World Cup of Darts? The World Cup of Darts starts at the very end of May and continues into early June. So, a couple of weeks, it starts in Frankfurt. In Frankfurt, excellent stuff. Okay, Neil, sorry, go on. Okay, so, Josh, who will be fav- Who do you think will be favourite? I think you can't look past the Netherlands with Michael van Gerwen and it should be Rami van Barneveld, probably Scotland's second favourites, I'd imagine. Okay, so, Sporting Bet have got the Netherlands as odds-on favourites, uh, 10 to 9 on. Uh, England as, as second favourites. Really? Yeah, so that'll be, I think at the moment, it's looking like Cross and Chisnell, is yeah. it? So, um, so Lewis misses out? Yeah. Well, Michael Smith, really, was the closest challenger yeah, to... Yeah, no, no, fair play, yeah. Yeah, so England, second favourites at 5-2. to two. Scotland, which will be Gary Anderson and Peter Wright, 3-1. to one. Uh, And then odds increasing quite a bit to Australia at 20-1. to one. Wales at 20-1. to one. And Belgium at twenty-five to one. Sorry, who's re- who's re- do we know? I don't know if they've all been announced yet. The teams who's representing Australia? Australia Whitlock will be and, and Carl Anderson and Carl Anderson. Okay. Belgium will be a new lineup. It's always usually been the Hybrix brothers. Yeah, and it will be Kim, but it'll be Dimitri van den Berg this time. Yeah, so yeah, they could be decent dark horses. The one I like is fifty to one for Germany. So I think it'll be Max Hopp 
Martin Schindler, well, both who have been playing well. And on home soil as well. Exactly. We, saw, we saw how Max yeah. was inspired when he was on home soil at the Euro Tour. So, yeah. yeah. So, I think there's value in Germany. If you're looking for an outsider, Thailand, Singapore and Sweden at 500 to 1. Well, Singapore called a finalist last year, beat Scotland in the first yeah. round. So, you never know. 500 to 1. Uh, and the rank outsiders are China, 750 to 1. I miss Phil Taylor. Yeah, he missed out for the first time last year. He opted out. He would have qualified, but he opted out. So it was Lewis and Chisnell last year. But obviously, England have won it four times. He's been an ever-present in that. And yeah, his experience, he, he, he relishes the format and he always rises to the occasion. So it'll be a big miss. I mean, Chisnell performed well last year. Obviously, Rob Cross making his debut. So it's going to be a new-look England team. It should be quite exciting. But I would, I would have Scotland over England in terms of the favourites. Although... Anderson and Wright have never really gelled as a partnership yet. They've got the ability, I think they'll be the number one seed in terms of the rankings. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It's a, it's a different situation and scenario for the players. It, obviously, it's a different scenario for us as, as viewers and, and fans of the sport. But um, it is a different scenario for the players. Obviously, they, they travel a lot around together on tour, um, probably staying in, in the same hotels and, and, and buddying up um, when they go around the country playing the, the various tournaments. But representing uh, their country alongside each other in the team format, obviously uh, being on the hockey at the same time and then uh, once you go into the singles matches as well. A little bit of different experience for the dark players, Neil. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, these guys play uh, on their own all year round and then suddenly they're, they're forced into a, a team situation and I think you see it in, in, in other sports, you see it in tennis, you see it in, in, in golf when it comes to the Ryder Cup that not everyone plays as freely as they do as when they're playing on their own. So um, there is an extra dimension to to the World Cup of Darts and, and, and the team element. Yeah, and it adds, it adds more pressure, I think, because obviously when you're playing for yourself, you're kind of responsible for your own fortunes, whereas when you're with a teammate, you don't want to let them down. Also representing your country, you're eager to kind of do your nation proud. But I think the biggest difference is obviously the pairs format. People like Anderson, Van Gerwen, the quick throwers, they're used to kind of, you know, rat-a-tat-tat, quick format. Yep. Whereas when you've got four players on stage, particularly some slower players, it can take quite a while until you're throwing. So it's not easy. Uh, much unused phrase there, rat-a-tat-tat. I yeah, like that, Josh. That's, uh, is that, that's a, fantastic. Is that a technical darting term? Yeah, a bit, bit of a tongue twister, that one, actually, as if, well. If Josh was a darts player, that would be his nickname. Josh Rat-a-tat-tat. Gordon. Uh, I fancy that would be uh, that'd be rather marvellous. Uh, Neil, odds, any, anything else for us, buddy? Yeah, again, something slightly different. This one um, from Skybet. Concerns the world champion, Rob Cross. If he were to win the Premier League and also the world match play in 2018, which is a tough ask, um, 33 to 1 for him to win the Premier League and the world match play. Big ask. Yeah, big yeah ask. very big ask. Yeah. That was ask, by the way, big ask. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the odds. Yeah, I, I was just looking for the odds for the, for the Dutch Masters final, but I think we're nearing the, the climax of that event. Uh, as it stands, Michael van Gerwen is leading Steve Le- Lennon 7-5 in the final. So we're almost there. Okay, excellent stuff. Uh, anything else for us in the odds section there, Neil? No, I think that's all for this uh, for this week. Obviously, next time, uh, next episode, we'll, we'll have a slightly different flavour and we'll be looking at some, some new events outside of the Premier League. We always remind you to gamble responsibly. Uh, do log on to uh, www.gambleaware.co.uk. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, as always, when the fun stops, stop. stop. Cool, what are the odds? 
Okay, welcome back to the JDP. As we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we're absolutely delighted to let you know that we have secured an interview with the darting legend. That is Wayne Hawaii 501 model. Josh had the opportunity to speak to him earlier. Josh, how did that go? Yeah, really, really good, John. It was a real privilege to speak to Wayne. Obviously looking ahead to the Premier League playoffs at the O2, reflecting on the season, how players have performed. Obviously Wayne, not only is a fantastic commentator and pundit, also former Premier League player, so it was really interesting to try and get his perspective and insight into the gruelling nature of the Premier League, how it takes its toll, and yeah, really interesting chat, and pleasure to speak to Wayne. Okay, let's have a listen then. Well guys, looking ahead to this week's Premier League playoffs, I'm delighted to be joined by former Premier League star and current Sky Sports commentator Wayne Mardle. Wayne, thanks for joining us mate. No, my absolute pleasure Josh, thanks for having me. So, looking ahead, obviously, this Thursday, the Premier League playoffs. It's been an interesting season. What are your thoughts on the campaign so far? Uh, well, if we actually start before there was a dark throne, there was, everything was kind of thrown into chaos, what we thought. As in, no Phil Taylor is retiring. You can't leave out Adrian Lewis. You can't leave out James Wade. Chizzy des- maybe deserves a spot, but they, all the fuss was about who was coming in their place. And look, I think the guys did a great job. Eva Mensah, Sulevic and, and Gerwin Price, who, who got eliminated, they come in, they, they took the, the ball by the horns, they tried as best they could. And for, for those two, it didn't work out. But it doesn't mean that, that it was to the detriment of the tournament. I thought, I thought Mensah was superb. Mm. His timing was just awful. Yeah. In every game he played, he'd have a great leg against the darts and maybe miss a dart for, say, 11 and 12 and then and then not win and someone would, would bake him in 12. So he's 2-0 down and he's hardly throwing a bad dart. And that that, that happened too often, unfortunately, for Gerwin Price. I think it all come a bit, a bit soon in his career. Mm. I think he'll be a bit more clued up if he ever gets the chance again. But as for everyone else, I think they've, they've really acquitted, acquitted themselves very well and... Uh, all the sceptics that thought that this year's Premier League was going to be boring and dull because the uh, the old guard, if you want to call them, the, the, the regular names weren't in there, then I think this, it's, it's good for the, the future Premier Leagues that you can put in who you like and it'll work. No, definitely. And obviously you mentioned there the old guard. This was a very new-look Premier League with four debutants. So do you think that was what the tournament needed, a bit of freshening up? Do you know, I, I think it did. I've, like you said, I've, I've, I've played in the Premier League and... You do get to the point of uh, this is just an, another tournament, another Premier League. You do get that way. It's like mm. anything in life. Uh, a, a new job is, is great, and then it, it loses that that drive that, that you sometimes need. And that's just because we become familiar, and some of the players become familiar with it. This is why I think the likes of the likes of Van Gerwen and, and, and Taylor and Anderson to perform so well for so long in, in the event is, is quite astounding, really. And, and put Barney in there as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, would you, what would you say, if any, have been the standout moment for you in this year's Premier League, Wayne? Uh, Michael's continued domination is, is superb to see. Yeah. Uh, I'm really... There's no, there's no moment that has been that, that, wow, do you remember that? There's obviously that game with Gary Anderson and Michael Van Gerwen. Yeah. Both average hundred and ten, but, but do you know what? For me, it it really it's been about about Daryl Gurney. It's been about Michael Smith. It's 
And it's been about those two, in my opinion. I know Daryl Gurney missed out, but he didn't have a win for the first six weeks. And that can be really taxing. Mm. That that can make you doubt yourself. I know he drew four of those, but that can make you think, am I good enough? And his doubling at the time wasn't, but that improved. And Michael Smith has been an absolute revelation. The way he plays, it's nice and quick, and there's no there's no faffing around. Uh, the way he's, he's changed his game, you see it with, with greyhounds and horses. It's, it's going to sound a real weird analogy. <laughs> where sometimes, they, especially greyhounds, they can start off earlier in their career as really quick out the traps, and then they fade come come the, the, the winning line. Yeah. Then later on in their career, they mature and then become slow away and run on. What I'm on about is they're changing their st- they've changed their style. I think Michael Smith has kind of changed his style. He used to be kind of a, a 140-180 machine with nothing in between. And he would be beaten pretty easily. Uh, you'd only have to get in front and he'd start to shake his head and panic. Yeah. And now he just doesn't seem that human being anymore. I, I, He's going in such the right direction, as is uh, the aforementioned Daryl Gurney. I, I think they've got a lot to offer the world of darts over the coming years, and it's been great to see them week in, week out, thinking that, do you know what, guys? You, you've got it. They've got it. And that was it's good to see. And obviously, the world champ, Rob Cross, I wanted, wanted him to reach the playoffs, because otherwise it would have been horrible for him to, to be world champ and feel let down over a what is a marathon format yeah but he's he's stuck it stuck stuck to it really well and after a real auspicious start a real poor start which was oh it was only the first two games but that's enough to make you doubt yourself and he's he's stuck in there well oh definitely and you mentioned rob cross and michael smith there they both come into this o2 they're both being ill recently michael smith with pleurisy rob cross pulled out the dutch masters do you think that just reflects the gruelling nature of the Premier League? Because they're both relatively yeah, new to it, aren't they? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I was, I was constantly. I got pulled out of one. Yeah. Uh, it, I'll tell you what it does. It makes you realise how how you need to live right. Mm. Uh, it makes you it makes you tired, so your immune system is not as strong as it should be, and maybe you're not as fit as as you should be. I, I mean, dark fit. I don't. I don't mean running a marathon fit, yeah. but Rob Cross has uh, got a problem. He's, he's pulled some some uh, muscles or, or kind of tendons, which he, which is not good. No. Obviously, uh, he's got he's had to rest up, and, and he has. And Michael, like you said, with, with pleurisy, so that is a concern for both of them. I'm, I'm assuming they're going to be all right because yeah. uh, I thought. To turn up last week, Michael Smith showed a, a lot of, not, not really experience, but just a great work ethic. And, a, and he showed a lot of responsibility to turn up last week, and I was really pleased for him. No, he did very well, did very well considering. Yeah, he did, he did indeed. I, I just hope that they've, they've rested up and they're fine. That's, that's all we can hope for, and that they can play to 100%. If they do, who knows? Yeah, obviously the Premier League, it's the longest tournament on the calendar, like I say, 16 weeks for those who avoid elimination. And you've been on both sides of the fence, obviously as a player and obviously a commentator. Just how yeah. tough is it mentally and physically? It, it, it really is, honestly. It's it's tougher nowadays. I've probably had it quite easy compared <laughs> to now because with all the European tours and flying from Aberdeen to Germany and, 
and then uh, I don't know wherever we came, Birmingham to Berlin or somewhere. It, it's it's mad now. It really is, and and the players. They have to they have to organise themselves and their managers have to realise that playing in every single event will be at one one point to the detriment of their health or their form. You're not gonna play at your very, very best forever. It doesn't work that way. And yeah. um, what these guys have to do now and we realised back in the day, we realised that it was it was gruelling and I didn't play every event because I if you are uh, in Liverpool and the next event was in, say, Crawley the, the day after, to get there would be a trek and a chore. So you'd left, you'd have certain events out. These guys have to realise that if they want to play at their best, they're going to have to give themselves the best chance. And that's where the likes of Gary Anderson, Barney, and Michael Van Gerwen, who miss certain events, not not a lot, being Michael Van Gerwen. But he misses what he has to miss to stay home with a family and keep sane. Really, you can't you can't do something twenty four seven, three hundred and sixty five days a year. It's not it's not right. It's no. not right. No, definitely not. And obviously, looking ahead to Thursday, it's a huge night at the O2. Do you ever miss competing on these big nights, Wayne? Oh, of course I do. Yeah, of course I do. Uh, I, I still do a, a, a lot of the exhibitions and, and you know. Uh, I'll tell you what I miss. I miss that. I, I don't necessarily miss the, the, the buzz of the stage. Mm -hmm. No, I do. I do miss the buzz of the stage, but I miss the build-up. I, yeah. I miss the getting into the venue. I miss the getting ready. I miss the, the looking at the others, thinking, right, is today going to be my day? Am I, am I going to beat you or are you going to beat me? And then you walk out and then you've got that, that walk on. I miss all that. When you're on stage, it kind of it can be a blur sometimes. So the game can be a blur, but I miss the, the, the walk on and, and just doing an interview before or after. Yeah, I miss all what goes with it. Uh, the Worlds and the match play and the Premier League are definite events that, that you do miss. And as a, as a player... That, that did all right in, in that was in them and enough to feel at home there. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it, it can be difficult to, to watch at times, especially when they go to Rotterdam and the, the atmosphere was incredible and yeah. Glasgow. So yeah, it's uh, we all move on and now I'm doing something else I enjoy. But yeah, of course I miss the big stages. But you mentioned there you're still quite active on the exhibition circuit. You're still throwing some good darts. Have you got any plans to return in the future, or is that a no-no now for you? Uh, I've always said no, but you, you know they, they say never, never say never. And yeah, maybe, maybe if the, the situation is perfect for me, uh, whatever situation that may be, I, I've got no idea. But I don't. I, I I'm not sure. I want to ever feel that. Uh, angst that you can get when you're competing and you you don't think you're good enough because mm. that's how I felt towards the end of my career I felt that I was swimming against the tide I felt that even if I wasn't playing even if I was playing somewhere near my best I wasn't I wasn't quite good enough and I don't want that feeling again yeah. So maybe, maybe subconsciously I'm telling myself I never will because that's how it kind of ended for me so I'm, I'm probably protecting myself, but I, no, I can still play. I, 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 I beat the odd, the odd good pro here and there. 
uh, and I love the exhibitions. They're, that's what my my game's all about, really. I can pl- I can play anyone over seven legs, any more than that, and I struggle. Yeah. And looking ahead um, to, to Thursday, Wayne, who are you backing to lift the title? What, what's your crystal ball saying? Uh, yeah, my, my Sky Sports crystal ball. <laughs> uh, I, I can't back against Van Gerwen. I, I, I like his record against Rob Cross, the two seven twos that that he inflicted on, on the world champ. He's kind of put the semi-final to bed, isn't he? He's, he's got that out of his system. Yeah. And Rob Cross, Rob Cross knows it. Uh, I, I, don't see, I don't see Michael Smith bothering Gary Anderson to, to a degree where I think he, he can beat him. Yes, I think it'll be close-ish, but I think Gary gets his man and his record over in the last... The last Four four years, I think it is. He's only lost once, yeah. and that was when Gary had a really bad back in on night one. Mm. And I just want to see Gary and Michael go at it in the final. And if they do, it it, it could be anything, couldn't it? Oh, it could be we, definitely. Yeah, I I just want to see that, and I still see Van Gerwen winning. I really do. I, I think Gary's the only one on his day that can really match Michael. I'm on about dart for dart when Michael is playing like Michael. Yeah. So if that happens, it'll be a, it'll be a great spectacle, and uh, hopefully it's one of the best finals we've ever seen. Yeah, well, fingers crossed, Wayne. It, it promises to be a fantastic night at the O2. Uh, thanks very much for your time, Wayne. I really appreciate it, mate. No, my absolute pleasure. Perfect. Thanks, thanks, Wayne. Take care, mate. Well, there you have it. Cracking interview there with uh, Josh and Wayne Model. Josh, I thought uh, there was a real insight there. What did you think, buddy? Yeah, as I said, it was a real pleasure to speak to Wayne, try and get his insight. He's been one of the best commentators on Sky Sports now for a number of years. And obviously, I mean, obviously all the commentators, people like Wayne and John Parr, it's, it's brilliant to speak to them because as well as having their insight from a commentator's and pundit's perspective, they've also been there on the Premier League stage. And nothing quite beats getting that sort of first-hand knowledge from a former player. He's, he's so in and around the sport, isn't he? Being a, being a former player himself, obviously he's got experience of, of both, both sides of the coin, really, from being a, a player up on the stage under the intense pressure that we see the players going through, but also being back of house as well and working with the, the TV companies and the, the production crew putting the, uh, putting the events together. And uh, I think Wayne brings a really good take to the Sky coverage um, of the Premier League. And I've always enjoyed uh, his punditry and his commentary, Neil. Yeah, as I, I think I said earlier in the podcast, he's uh, listening to him is is very entertaining. I think he brings brings out the fun side of of of, of darts, and he's, he's he's a funny man. As, as Josh mentioned, it's always nice to hear from an ex-player as to how they see things going. Really. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that interview with Wayne Mardle and uh, the three of us here on the Josh's Dartistry podcast. We'd like to extend a very, very big thank you to uh, Wayne Mardle for giving up his time uh, and talking to us. You're listening to Josh's Dartistry. Don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook by going to the Josh's Dartistry page. You can follow us on Twitter at Josh's Dartistry or go to the website www.joshesdartistry.com for the latest news and insight to the world of darts. You can also leave us a comment or a question via our voicemail box. Just call 07739 738 329. Leave us a message and we may play it on air. Now back to the show.
Okay, welcome back to the JDP. Obviously, we've already discussed uh, Premier League results and fixtures. Now let's move on, Josh. Uh, give us a roundup on recent activity in the European Tour and the Pro Tour. Yeah, thanks, John. It's been a very busy period on the Euro Tour and the Pro Tour. Just a couple of days after our recording of our second episode, there was the Austrian Darts Open in Graz from the 20th to the 22nd of April. It was an all-Welsh final, contested between Johnny Clayton and Gerwin Price, both appearing in their first European Tour finals. And it was won by Johnny Clayton, the outsider. He had a fantastic run to the final. Defeated Max Hopp 6-3 in round two. Hopp had awfully won the previous European Tour event on home soil. He then beat James Wade, who's awfully performed well on the um, European Tour circuit this year. Defeated Ian White 6-4 in the, in the quarterfinals. Then beat Mensor Sulevich, the home favourite, 7-6 in a really, really top quality semi-final. And then awfully completed the victory by beating Gerwin Price 8-5 in the final. So... Superb performance from Johnny Clayton. He's gone from strength to strength, really, having reached the Players' Championship finals last November. So fair play to the Ferret. Yeah, I, I watched that tournament, and he, he the, the Ferret was was outstanding. And I think if you look at the look at the players that he's knocked off there, it's a difficult run. Definitely, yeah, no mugs in there, certainly. No. Why why the Ferret? Where's that come from? Not the most glamorous of nicknames. That's a good question. I, I have no idea how to ask him next time I see him. Uh, it's interesting to note on the uh, episode two of uh, Josh's Dart History, Neil, we spoke about the upcoming Austrian Darts Open. Uh, I think you were bringing us the uh, the odd section and we discussed who we thought might be uh, might be in the frame to win this one. I remember um, you saying to Josh when he gave his predictions that you questioned the fact that he didn't fancy a hometown winner uh, yeah. for that. And then we, we see that uh, Clayton's route to the final, he defeated Mensur 7-6. Yeah, it was it was interesting watching Mensur because it looked like he was going to go all the way. Uh, he had wonderful support in Austria uh, and it was a really tight game in that, that semi-final. I did actually <laughs> I did actually back Mensur myself, so I was a little bit disappointed when he, uh, when he got knocked out. And Josh, Gerwin-Price obviously making it to the final, as you mentioned there, uh, unfortunately losing... 8-5, but nice to see uh, Price performing well after his uh, Premier League exit. Yeah, definitely, John. He beat Gerwin Price, beat Rob Cross in the quarterfinals en, en route to going to the final. And as you say, it was a difficult debut campaign for Gerwin Price in the Premier League. He never really became accustomed to the format and, and the unique element of the Premier League, but he's bounced that really well, showed great character. And I'm sure now I'll go from strength to strength for the rest of the year. Yeah, proving obviously that uh, he still is a, a very good player and, and one to watch for the, for the future. OK, let's move on to uh, the Players' Championship, Josh. I believe we've had two of those since we last recorded. Uh, bring us up to date on those, buddy. Yeah, we had two Players' Championship events in Wigan the following weekend. Michael Van Gerwen won Players' Championship 9, defeating Scott Taylor. Now, this freaked me out when I saw it appear on Twitter because, obviously, while it was going on, I was I was on Twitter and catching some updates of how the tournament was going. And then I saw announced on Twitter that the final, because, obviously, we didn't use first names, whoever I saw tweeting it, all I saw was the final will be Van Gerwen versus Taylor, and I thought I'd been thrown back in time. Well, no, even more so, actually, quite funny. In the, sem- in the semi-finals, Scott Taylor played Jason Lowe. Wow. So it was Taylor versus Lowe. Taylor I mean, we haven't Lowe. seen that for about 20 years. No. So. But yeah, Scott Taylor, player from, I think, Bolton, I think he's from. And um, he's, he's had a really good start to 2018, obviously appearing in his first Pro Tour final. This could be the springboard for him, so fair play to Scott. And then Players' Championship 10 saw Jeffrey Deswan win his first PDC senior ranking title, defeating Johnny Clayton 6-5 in the final. Obviously Clayton continuing his good form to reach another... He's had a good run recently, Clayton. Yeah, definitely. But I was really pleased with Jeffrey Deswan. He won his tour card back in 2018 and he's performed superbly. 
so far this year. Reached three Pro Tour finals, lost the previous two to, I think it was Anderson, the first one. He's been knocking on the door for a while now, and I think that pretty much solidifies his top in the his spot in the top 64, so well done, Jeffrey. Uh, also, European Darts Grand Prix taking, that took place sorry on the on the 6th of May at the start of the month, Josh. Yeah, Marco Van Gogh in normal service was resumed as he won his third European Tour title of the year in Sindelfingen. And Marco Van Gerwen called it his best tournament win of his career. He was absolutely incredible from, from the first round to the last. He defeated James Wade 8-3 in the final with 110.87 average. Phenomenal performance from Van Gerwen. And he averaged over 103 in every single match. Beat Alan Tabben 6-2 in, in his first game, 103 average. Edged out Darren Webster 6-5 in the last 16 with 104.8 average. His quarterfinal clash with Chitty was incredible. Chisnell averaged 108. Van Gerwen 109.5. Van Gerwen won that 6-4. He whitewashed Michael Smith 7-0 in the semi. 110 average, incredible display. And then, as I mentioned, did the same to James Wade with a nearly 111 average. So, incredible from Michael Van Gerwen. In my opinion, in terms of the stats, the best tournament performance I've seen in the European Tour. Neil, another, uh, another win there for Michael Van Gerwen. Yeah, uh, again, I did manage to catch some of it. And as, as Josh said, he was absolutely awesome um, through that tournament. And... Just look at those averages, 103, 104, 109, 109 and 110. Really, really top quality darts tearing the field apart. Yeah, interesting to note, just looking at his route to the final there, I'm looking at the Chizzy game, the quarterfinal, 6-4. Again, obviously, Michael Van Gerwen won it, but an impressive performance from Chizzy up to that point, Josh. Yeah, Chizzy has got a really poor record against Michael Van Gerwen now. I can't remember the last time he beat him, but on this occasion, you can't can't criticise Chisholm at all. He played a fantastic game. Scored superbly, but Marco Van Gogh was just a better player on the day and fair play. But Chisholm performed quite well on the European Tour circuit this year and obviously he's going to be appearing in the World Cup later this, this month with Rob Cross, so another chance for him to show how good he is then. Good, uh, good performance for, from English darts as well. There are lots of uh, English names that he's, he's... Well, I say good performance. They've, <laughs> they've all lost out to the Dutchman on the way through. But um, obviously, he's played an Englishman uh, in the quarters, the semis and the final there, Neil. And last 16 in round two, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, Darren yeah. Webster in the, in the last... Oh, and Tabard as yep. well, of course, in round two. So, uh, yeah, the English uh, the English guys putting themselves in position, uh, Neil, but unfortunately, falling uh, fall to the big man. Yep, Darren Webster, who he beat in the second round. Uh, sorry, in the last 16... Um, six five, I think he's done him again uh, in this weekend's um, Dutch Masters. I think that was only a, the odd leg or two. So six four, I think. Yeah, it was, I think yeah. it was. So Darren, Darren pushed him in, in close both times. Seven nil in the semi final against Michael Smith. You know, Michael Smith, who's done, you know, finished second place in the Premier League, uh, and he's he's just absolutely torn him apart with a, a one oh nine point five nine average. So. Unbelievable darts. Obviously, while we're, while we're praising Marco Van Gerwen, just another mention for James Wade. He reached the semi-finals in the first two European Tour events of the year, and obviously now reached a final. It's fantastic to see James coming back into form after a really tough 2017, and he's one to watch for the rest of the year now, knocking on the door of reaching the top 10 again. So, brilliant to see James back in form. Okay, before we move on uh, here on the Josh's Data Street podcast, I just think we should bring the listeners up to date on the current situation with the Dutch Masters, Josh. Yep, Michael Van Gerwen, as we speak, has just won his fourth European Tour title of the year, beating Steve Lennon 8-5 in the final on home soil. So, well done to Michael Van Gerwen. Another title for MVG. Yeah, yeah, more silverware for the uh, for the Dutchman. And, uh, Neil, um, do you think Josh will be changing his prediction <laughs> for the uh, Premier League final based on uh, Michael Van Gerwen's recent success this evening? 
anything is possible after what we witnessed earlier. <laughs> I think uh, I think Josh might even back another player. Perhaps uh, perhaps Josh is going to go for Wayne Mardle to win it if or he thinks he can ra- get more. More points. likely Raymond Van Barnum. I was going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> wild card. Okay. Well, many congratulations to Michael Van Gerwen uh, on securing that title this evening. Okay, it's now time for the much maligned, much anticipated, and often highly controversial challenge, Josh. Right then, you two. Before we get going on this, I've got some comments to make about the uh, the last episode of Challenge Josh. There was controversy. There was arguing. There was debating. There was screaming. There was shouting. There was Google searching, mood swings, accusations. Can you promise me that tonight you two are going to behave yourselves? If the research is done correctly, I will not make any complaints. <laughs> That's a dig. Neil, Neil's just staring at Joe. He's eyeballing him across the table. Mind games. Mind games. Okay, so let's have a good, clean, fair fight this evening, gentlemen. Uh, obviously, challenge Josh. We like to uh, test our resident expert on his darting knowledge. Uh, Josh is here to provide the expert analysis, and we uh, we allegedly. often like to, allegedly, and we like to try and uh, try and not trip him up, but uh, just uh, just see how good he is at uh, his darting knowledge. So, Neil, what we got? For this episode. Okay, first question. Josh, in which year were you born? 1995. He had to think about that. He did. Uh, Okay, so this question will actually take us back before when you were born. Lovely. Um, (laughs) Standard procedure. I can see where this is going. Okay, it's not as bad as it it sounds. Uh, Very straightforward this time round. We will ask you um, from 1994... To name the PDC World Darts Champion. So I will name the year, starting with 1994. And all I need from you is the name of the world champion from that year. You're okay. looking confused. No, so, yeah, no, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, I understand, yeah. Good. So before, before we start asking the questions, Josh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you with this? Um, so about... Seven or eight. I don't want to get too complacent because I could have egg on my face come <laughs> five minutes later. Okay, so uh, on that basis, Josh, I'd like to wish you all the very best. Good yeah, luck. Not, and uh, I might just have to make a few notes as I go, if that's okay. Okay, no problem. Here we go with question number one. Okay, 1994, the first PDC World Darts champion was... Dennis Priestley. Dennis the Menace, correct. Okay, uh, let's move on. Question number two. 1995. Phil Taylor. Correct, well done. Two out of two so far. Good strong starts. It Let- was indeed Phil Taylor who beat Rod Harrington 6-2. I've got, actually, yeah, that, Neil, that'd be good if you could give us the uh, the finalist uh, okay. that, it, yep. that he beat and the score. Yeah, so 1994, Dennis Priestley beat Phil uh, 6-1 and 1995 Phil beat Rod Harrington 6-2 Lovely job let's go to question number 3 
The year 1996. Phil Taylor. Correct. Phil Taylor did indeed beat Dennis Priestley 6-4. Okay, Neil, give us number question number four. 1997, Josh. Phil Taylor. Correct. I feel a, a theme developing here, Neil. Yeah. Any idea who he beat, Josh? Sorry, what was the year? Um, 1997. 1997. Priestley again? It was Priestley again, and it was 6-3 this time. Good work. Okay, uh, next question, please, Neil. 1998, who was the PDC world champion? Phil Taylor. Yeah, definite thing developing here. <laughs> and who did he beat? Dennis Priestley. And what was the score? Cool. Is this part of the quiz or just a... Just a, a general, you general know, test, test of your knowledge. Dennis Priestley. What's the year? 1998? Yeah. 6-2. No, it was 6-0. It was a whitewash. Oh, wow. A whitewash. Okay. Well, you don't lose any points for uh, for not knowing the score, Josh. You got the uh, you got the world champion correct. Well done. Okay, Neil, is this uh, this is question number six, I believe? Is yeah, it? and so far he's he's five out of five. So, moving on. 1999. Phil Taylor. We could just have this on repeat, couldn't we? And who did he beat? 1999. Peter Manley. It was Peter Manley and it was 6-2. Good, well done. Okay, uh, let's move on. Question number seven. Millennium year, 2000. Phil Taylor. Correct. And who did he beat? Was it Rod Arrington? No, it wasn't. It was Dennis Priestley, seven oh, okay. three. I think I wish I would have gone for the uh, for the opponent in this. <laughs> in this. Uh, yeah, we might have nicked a few points off of Josh then. Exactly. Okay, two thousand and one. Phil Taylor. Correct. Well done. It was another whitewash. Phil Taylor. John Part, wasn't it? It was John Part. I mean, it was 7-0. Darth Maple. Okay, Neil, next question, please. 2002. Phil Taylor. Correct. And who did he beat? Was that Rod Arrington? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely... <laughs> He definitely beat Red Arrington in the final. <laughs> that was 1995. We've oh. already, we've already, we've been already done that one, Josh. So 2000... You didn't ask me for that one, did you? <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we must did. have done. Should we deduct him a point? Yeah. We no, got... no, no, no. We... Josh, the <laughs> no, question no. was, from 1994, name every world champion. No, but I'm saying he didn't ask who was the finest in 1995. No, no, but I told you who the finalist was. Oh, I was busy scribbling notes. So he obviously uh, wasn't listening. Not paying so. attention. Mm. Not paying attention. Okay, yeah. Uh, Neil, what number question is this? Uh, this Eight, nine. Where are we? I've lost track. So it's the I've tenth heard, question. I've heard Phil Taylor so many times <laughs> now. I'm, I'm all out of sync. It's the tenth question, and the year is 2003. John Part. Correct. And who did he beat? Phil Taylor. What was the score? Seven six. What was the average? Not bad. Who are the walk-on girls for the final? No idea. <laughs> okay, uh, let's move on. Next question. 2004, Josh. Phil Taylor. It was Phil Taylor. Very close uh, encounter against Kevin Painter, 7-6. 
Neil, little uh, little challenge, Neil. Question for you here, uh, Kevin Painter. Give me his nickname, please. Uh, the artist. The artist, Kevin Painter. That is correct. Okay, uh, Neil. Next question, please. The year now is two thousand and five, Josh. Phil, uh, Phil Taylor beat Mark Dubridge. He's getting a little. He's getting a little bit cocky. Yeah, here. a little bit arrogant. He's. Well, the the thing is, we're getting closer and closer to to modern day now, aren't yeah. we? They're probably uh, a little bit fresher in the memory, even though he was only. What, how old were you in 2005? 10? 10, yeah. So, uh, I didn't start watching the darts till 2006. Yeah, but these ones are a bit fresher in the memory now. So uh, could be on course for a very good score here. Neil, give us the next question. Okay, so now we move to 2006. Phil Taylor. Okay, and who did he beat? Peter Manley, 7-0. Absolutely smashing it out of the park now. Okay, let's move on. Next question, please, Neil. 2007, I think you might know this should one. We, should we skip 2007? No, 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 no. It's no, not no, really no. worth discussing 2007, is it? I, uh, let's, listen, let's, the greatest let, world let's stop the music. Final. No, let's just move on. We don't need to, we don't need to discuss 2007. I'm, I'm off, I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then, Josh, give us the answer. It was the one and only Raymond Van Barneveld. And no, I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> My faith in. And the opponent? Phil Taylor, 7-6, Southern Death Decider, greatest world final of all time. Well, that's a matter of opinion, but okay. Well, moving, a lot of opinions. <laughs> moving swiftly on uh, into 2008. Oh, there's a hesitation. There is a hesitation. The top lip has gone curly. No. The bottom lip's all over the place. I didn't have this written down. John Park beating Kirk Shepherd. Yeah, we have discussed Kirk Shepherd on the uh, on the JDP before, and and his his his, uh, his world championship final appearance, Neil. Yep, very well done. It was John Park. I think uh, Kirk Shepard came from nowhere, didn't he, to, yeah. to reach the final? Qualifier, I think he it was. was. Yeah, uh, and it was it was a seven-two victory for Darth Maple. Okay, let's move on to the next question, please, Neil. Two thousand and nine. Phil Taylor. Who did he beat? Raymond Van Barneveld. And what was the score? That's nasty. Seven-one. Wallop. It was a, rec- a world a, record average for a world championship final, though. That's a big defeat, though. It was, but the leg score was a lot, well, lot closer. A lot of the sets were three-two. And fair play to Taylor; it was 110.9 average. You can't really beat that in a world yeah. final. And and Barneveld averaged 101 himself. Yeah, so. not bad. Pretty decent. Yep. Okay, moving on. 2010. Phil Taylor beat Simon Whitlock. I believe that's one of your favourite finals ever, Neil. Yeah, I did enjoy it. Whitlock was uh, he was sensational throughout that tournament, and I think it was tight early on, um, up until the point that Taylor then um, put his foot on the accelerator and, and, and eased to victory. But Whitlock was probably the, the best form that, that he's had during his career during the, um, that World Championships. So. Do you ever see? Uh, do you see Whitlock ever ever get into a World Final again? It's a tough ask. I mean, listen, he's done well in the Premier League on his return. I mean, he had a fantastic start when his first three games kind of petered out a little bit. He's still got the ability, but there's so many players now who are capable of reaching finals and winning majors. It's going to be tough, but I wouldn't write him off. He's still got plenty of time. Okay, Neil, let's move on. Next question, please. 2011. Adrian Lewis. Against? Gary Anderson. It was Adrian Lewis. Well done. Correct. Neil, what was the score in that one, mate? 7-5 to Lewis. Okay, next question, please. 2012. Adrian Lewis. Against? Andy Hamilton, he won 7-3, I think. 
Yeah, good knowledge, Josh. Well done. Well done. Andy Hamilton recently switched to the BDO, I believe. I believe so, yeah. I think he's done pretty well at the Welsh Open this weekend, so watch this space. Okay, Neil, next question, please. Okay, 2013. Phil Taylor. Correct. Who did he beat and what was the score? Marco Van Gerwen, 7-4. Well done. Good man, well done. Okay, next question. 2014. Marco Van Gerwen. And who did he beat? Peter Wright, 7-3, I think. You are correct. It was Michael Van Gerwen. Oh, yeah. I, feel, I feel a butt coming it in. Was seven, it was 7-4, wasn't it, the final? I can only take your first answer. Well, it, it doesn't matter. It's still not part of the quiz. Oh, it so. doesn't matter, Neil. It doesn't matter that he, our darting expert got it wrong. It doesn't matter. So, it was Michael Van Gerwen. Did you know Gerwen. it, John? Do you know, just because I'm, just I'm, um, I'm a bit sick of hearing the correct sound, I'm just going to throw one of those in for you, Josh. Good. But no, you got the uh, you got the you got the the name correct. So that's the main thing. So okay, well done. Okay, so 2014, Michael Van Gerwen did beat Peter Wright, but it was seven four. Sorry, Josh, I can only accept your first answer. No changing of mind now, please. <laughs> yeah, not like the uh, the Premier League predictions. Okay, let's move on before it gets nasty. Next question. 2015, Gary Anderson beat Phil Taylor seven six. First answer. That was that was a nasty. That was horrible. There is tension again. Anyway, that is correct, Josh. Well done. Okay, uh, Neil, what year are we on now, buddy? Two thousand and sixteen. Gary Anderson. Okay, uh, we're getting really close to. to yeah, this is kind of fresh day. in I the memory. E- isn't I would it? expect him to know lots of detail about yeah, this. Yeah. Okay, so. let's go. Let's, so who let's did Ando beat? He beat Adrian Lewis in the final. I think it was seven five. He, he hit a 170 finish in the penultimate. I didn't ask for that. <laughs> you said you weren't to go into more detail, so I'm going into more detail. What was Adrian Lewis's average? <laughs> You're having a giraffe here. <laughs> it was 100.23. Gary averaged 99.26 in a 7-5 victory. Good knowledge, that, Neil. Thank uh, you. And finally, what was the catering available backstage at the final? There were some lovely potato wedges, if I'm, if I'm <laughs> not mistaken. Neil, I think we've got to give him that as correct answer. Yep. Okay, uh, second from last question, Neil, yeah? Yep. Okay, here we go. 2017. That was Michael Van Gerwen who beat Gary Anderson. I only asked for the winner. Ooh, someone's getting a little bit tetchy over might, it. I might have to leave the room in a minute. <laughs> I think this, my murder's going to Michael go down. Van Gerwen. Correct. Michael Van Gerwen beat Gary Anderson 7-3. Correct. Okay, this should be an absolute breeze. To finish it off, here we go. In 2018, what was Rob Cross's average against Phil Taylor to the nearest one in the final? I thought the question was list of PDC World <laughs> Show. If we're, if we're sticking to the format of the I, show. I, I, I can't disagree with him there. But if you okay, want, so if who you won? Who won? It was Rob Cross, but if I'm going to guess, I'd say 107. And who did he beat and what was the score? He beat Phil Taylor and it was 7 2. And his average was 107.67. Well done. Yeah, really good. Really good, Josh. Good way to uh, good way to finish that off. So, Neil, uh, I'm, I'm right in saying he got every single one right, didn't he? He did. I can see 20-odd uh, t- ticks on your, yep. on your piece of paper. So, for the first time ever in uh, Challenge Josh history, Josh has got 100% uh, every single question correct, Neil. How does that make you feel? 
Well, I think you'll see the repercussions during the next podcast. That's <laughs> it, <laughs> I'm retiring, I'm gone. Yeah, but you're going to have to plot now. Back aren't you? back to uh, song lyrics, I think, next time. Come up with uh, something a little bit more challenging. But no, listen, uh, I couldn't have done that. I, I could have probably named um, some more of the modern ones, but going back into the to the early 90s, I might have struggled a little bit on that. Maybe we'll go BDO next time, Neil. And, uh, yeah. And, and go oh, let's not get, can we not give him any hints, please? Okay, all right, let's leave it there. Uh, anyway, Josh, many congratulations. Uh, I think you can hold your head up high there. Absolutely uh, superb effort on the, on that front. And uh, we look forward to the next instalment of Challenge Josh. You're listening to Josh's Datastry. Don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook by going to the Josh's Datastry page. You can follow us on Twitter at Josh's Datastry or go to the website www.joshesdartastry.com for all the latest news and insight into the world of darts. You can also leave us a comment or a question via our voicemail box. Just call 07739 738 329 and leave us a message and we may play it live on air. Now back to the show. Right then, it's now time to catch up with all the latest darting news from around the world. In the news. Okay, Neil, what you got for us in this episode? Okay, a few things that have caught my eye since the last podcast. First one, it made me chuckle really. Uh, there is a PGA Tour golf event. Uh, called the Zurich Classic, uh, and for the first time, players, uh, the golfers, will have their own walk-on music. Oh, interesting. So, you know, possible uh, <laughs> future question for, for Challenge Josh coming up. The reason it, the reason it caught my eye, uh, so this is, a, again, a team event where, where players will play, play in, in pairs. One of the um, songs uh, that will be used is Eye of the Tiger, uh, by Survivor, and that, livid. And, that, and that will be used by uh, Patrick Reed and, and Patrick Cantley. So, uh, yeah, interesting, uh, and yet two more people that are using that walk-on song. Interesting that um, golf is, I hesitate to use the phrase, but trying to sex things up a little bit in some of the competitions. So you've seen other sports do it over the years. I think snooker has uh, recently tried to evolve spice up the game a little bit with um, shorter versions of the game and putting putting players on a shot clock. Um, obviously, the walk-on music in the in the darts is, we've mentioned before, it's all part of the pageant, um, pageantry and the, the, the fun uh, and introducing a sort of lighter side to the sport. And it's interesting that golf have sort of obviously yeah. seen what the darting world have done and uh, and are trying to adopt it. For the, I don't think you'll see it in every competition, but for well, this competition in particular, they're, they're, they're going to go for it. I'm interested to see how they're going to do it because don't forget when you're going to be introducing players... 
um, there are going to be players out on the course already. So how they're going to, what the format of it's going to be and how they're going to suppress that noise from being heard by players out on the course, I'm, I'm not too sure. Yeah, maybe it would just be fairly low-key on the first tee for the... Um for the crowd around the tee, and and hopefully it won't distract the uh, yeah. distract the players oh, well. too far up on the on the second and and the other holes. I think um, off the top of my head, Tiger Woods. What do you reckon, Tiger feet? I would imagine. So. Oh well, I the tiger, I the tiger, I the tiger. Yeah, no, no, fair play, fair play. That oh. one didn't cross my mind. Okay, moving on. Uh, something else that I'd, I'd, I've come across. Um, there's a cheeky darts team uh, in Alloa, Scotland, that have put together a, a charity calendar for. Uh, Prostrate Cancer UK. Oh, hello, charity calendar. That normally yeah. means something. So it was inspired by the Calendar Girls uh, and goes along a, a similar theme where the the men darts players in, in, in this instance have stripped naked. Um, hello. But certain uh, features are... Um, and certain props are used to make the calendars... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Make the calendars available for public consumption. So uh, the calendar is uh, available for pre-order. It is for a a good cause uh, in prostate cancer uh, UK. Uh, the as I say, the darts team are in Alloa, uh, and they play at the Old Brewer Pub. So well done to to those guys. Can we, can uh, Alloa in Scotland? That it can get quite cold up in those parts. I hope they're not planning <laughs> to do a, an outdoor shoot. That could. Uh, they're used to wearing kilts, though, so I'm sure they're not. Don't really notice the difference that much. How do you guys feel about a JDP charity calendar? What do you reckon? No chance. I, I, I'm not sure how popular that would be. Well, I fancy being Mr. June. I don't mind that. I could. Uh, you know, as long as there's a, a, a good course involved, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to. Maybe February, the shortest month. <laughs> <laughs> Moving what? swiftly on. Why is he using the word shortest? <laughs> okay, uh, Neil, what else you got for us, mate? Okay, um, the World Cup of Darts we've we've talked about earlier on in the earlier on in the show. I, I just wanted to mention uh, the Chinese lady Momo Zhu, who actually won the Chinese. Uh, World Cup of Darts qualifier. So um, she's not the first female that will have uh, competed uh, at the World Cup of Darts. Uh, Anastasia, uh, Josh, you're going to have to help me. Bro- I'll do it for you. The Bromoslova. Great you. pronunciation, John. Well Re- represented Russia back in, in 2010. Uh, but Momo, uh, as I say, won the uh, Chinese World Cup qualifier and will team up with runner-up Joshin Zong at the tournament in Frankfurt, which starts at the end of May. Chinese darts, Josh. Any uh, any insight on the on Chinese darts? After that, they've never particularly fared well at the World Cup in previous years. But I mean, it's fantastic to have a, a woman player representing the sport. It's only great for the profile of the sport, and she's got there on merit. She's won the qualifier, so fair play. I think she's only twenty six, so still relatively young. Hopefully, this could inspire a new generation of female darts players. So I think it's only a positive. Is the is it? Is the soft tip game more popular in in in? Yeah, in soft China? tip. I mean, we've even seen Phil Taylor since his, his retirement from the professional circuit playing soft tip. A lot of players now play Paul Lim, who will be representing Singapore. He's very popular on the pro, on the soft tip circuit. Uh, the soft tip circuit, to me, uh, from what I've I've seen and read of it, without wanting to be disrespectful to to those that take part in it, but the soft tip game almost seems to be for me a bit of a comparison between it for the football fans amongst us um, when the sort of older players retire or t- stop playing at the very very top level and tend to go and earn a payday over in America and play in there. Although the American leagues got a lot more popular than they are, sort of fifteen twenty years ago, but it seems to me a lot of the, a lot of the older players go off and play soft tip darts. I'm assuming there's a, a quite a decent payday to to go over to Asia and, and take part in the soft tip game. 
Yeah, I think, I think that's certainly a factor. But I think there's still a few current players. Who, I mean, Paul Nicholson, I think, represented England in, in soft tip earlier this year. People like Adrian Gray, featured at the World Grand Prix. Andy Jenkins have all represented England. So it is growing in terms of popularity. There's no doubt about that. Okay, so some news there for uh, the upcoming World Cup of Darts, which we've already uh, obviously touched on this evening, and we're all looking forward to that tournament. Neil, what else you got for us? Okay, I think, again, we spoke earlier about Geoffrey Desoin. We did, um, yeah. And his victory at the, the, the Players' Championship 10 uh, event. Um, something reported by dartsnews.com was, was Jeffrey um, crediting his sponsor, uh, the company's called Benji, and, and basically saying that he was close to bankruptcy and his sponsor has saved him. Uh, as Josh mentioned earlier, he got his tour card back uh, at, at the beginning of, of, of this year and, and, and he is going to strength from strength to strength. Um, but he, he was saying that he, he had some injuries and he was really struggling uh, and it was down to Benji uh, that really kept him in the darting uh, arena and able to, to, to build um, what he's managing to start this year. No, fair play. Uh, Josh, what can you tell us about uh, Jeffrey? Well, you often mentioned Benji there, Neil. I think they were originally sponsored of Raymond Van Barneville because Raymond has kind of set up his own stable. He had, um, he had Jeffrey Deswan, Mike Zydwick and Dirk Van Doevenboot, who we all helped mentor and sponsor. I'm not sure what the current status is with that. but No, I think Barney, he, you're right that Barney was mentoring him, but I think that because of Raymond's commitments with his own uh, darting career, I'm yeah. not sure how much... Um, they're, that, sti- they're still friends, I yeah. know, and they still practice together. And, uh, but like I say, Jeffrey now is he's a fantastic talent in his own right, and he's performing superbly on the Pro Tour, three Pro Tour finals this year. I mean, not many people can boast that sort of record, even some of the top names. Okay, so nice to hear that Jeffrey's uh, getting back to his feet. That's uh, that's always good to hear. Neil, anything else? Yep, a couple more things. Um, this one from the BDO, and again from, from dartsnews.com. Um, so the, the BDO have struck up a deal with broadcasters free sports to show the um, BDA World Darts Trophy uh, this year. So free sports is a, is a new sports channel um, that's being uh, initiated to provide free-to-air sports coverage for, for viewers again, uh, across the UK. So where we may have been watching BDO on, uh, on, on other channels, uh, you now may see it on free sports, which I guess will be on most cable and satellite companies. The uh, the BDO they've been quite a record now in terms of the number of different channels <coughs> that they've broadcast on. I mean, I obviously remember the the heady days of BBC, and we've also seen obviously uh, Channel Four, BT uh, Sport, BT yeah. Sport. Yeah, I think Eurosport. They had quite a few um, tournaments on Eurosport. I think Challenge might have been might have been used. It's quite a dip, quite a vast array of channels now, but it's fantastic for the BDO to have yeah. more televised coverage. It's important for them and the growth of their their organisation, so yeah. superb news. Yeah. So I think I think you'll be able to pick up free sports, as I say, via Sky, Freeview, FreeSat, uh, and and BT. If you're an overseas viewer and you want to see BDO coverage, there is their their YouTube channel where you'll be able to pick up the coverage. It'll be interesting to see who they select to, to front the coverage of that. Um, I've always been a really big fan of Colin Murray, who's been a big supporter of the BDO and and has broadcast um, for the BBC and other other channels. I, I listen to. Um, Colin Murray on, on Five Live, especially when he does his fighting talk podcast that I've, I've always been a, a fan of. But it'll be interesting who they select as their main sort of presenting team, commentary team uh, and expert pundits, Josh. They've had quite a, a number of different commentators, pundits over the years. Chris Mason, John Gwynn have all featured quite heavily. Both superb commentators. Yeah, I've got no idea of who will host it, but I'm sure they'll do a great job. 
I'm I, I'm I'm starting to become a real big fan of Paul Nicholson as well. We're just discussing commentary and punditry. Nicholson's been working for ITV, <coughs> doing a lot of their coverage um, of, in, in the last couple of years. I, I follow and talk sport now and talk sport queen. as well. Obviously, yeah. Um, I follow Paul on on Twitter. He also does a lot of periscopes. Um, Paul Nicholson. He does a, a live broadcast. It's sometimes just sort of randomly in the middle of the day, and he's happy to take questions and answers. He's always very open. He's always very honest, um, and I really enjoy his punditry as well. I think um, Paul Nicholson's taken to that. I know he's still playing uh, as well, but I, I've been really impressed with with Nicholson's um, presenting work on on television as well. Uh, okay, Neil, anything else? Yeah, just just two more items uh, involving the PDC very quickly. Uh, the first one is is Michael van Gerwen, the world number one. Uh, he was recently awarded uh, the Dutch equivalent of a of an MBE. Uh, the last Dutch darts player to receive that was Raymond van Barneveld back in 1999, uh, and I think that's a real. I think it really shows that how much the uh, the Dutchman's contribution to darts in the in the Netherlands is is appreciated. The second item. Um, was to do with the Grand Slam of Darts trophy uh, and the fact that that's now going to be renamed uh, the Eric Bristow trophy. Um, we spoke on the last episode about uh, the legend that was uh, Eric Bristow that sadly departed. Um, so a real nice gesture um, from the PDC to, to name the Grand Slam of Darts trophy after him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it, Eric's the third player now to have a tournament on the PDC named in his honour. Sid Waddell Offaly, the World Darts Championship, was named in honour of Sid Waddell, legendary commentator. And more recently, Phil Taylor, Offaly retired after the World Championship in January, and he had the World Match Play named after him, having won, six, having won I think, 16 World Match Play titles. But Bristow, Offaly played a huge role in both the BDO and PDC, and the Grand Slam is the only tournament on the calendar now, yeah. Offaly, that has BDO and PDC representatives. So I think it's a perfect tournament to be named in his honour. Yep. Yeah, really nice touch uh, to, to name it after Eric. Uh, that will go down well with um, fans and players alike, uh, no doubt. So that's a, that's a wonderful tribute. I just want to I just want to backpedal ever so slightly back to the the story of um, Van Gerwen being being awarded the honour in his hometown country. Did did you all see the the news footage uh, that was broadcast uh, in, in Dutch media? The the Dutch news oh, yes, report. Oh yes, 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 of, of Rob Cross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So in the as the news reporters announcing it, they've got sort of a background photo on a on a green screen. And and the photo is not Michael Van Gerwen. <laughs> the photo is is of equally uh, bald, but uh, it's not Michael Van Gerwen. It's Rob Cross. You'd think the Dutch media would get that right. Someone's getting their P45 the next day, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, that that uh, that really made me laugh. It was doing the rounds on Twitter. That was uh, that was quite amusing. Okay, Neil, does that conclude uh, the news section for us? That is all for this episode. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much. Okay, welcome back to the JDP. Uh, to conclude this episode, episode three of the Josh's Dart History podcast, we're now going to go into our question and answers section. So you guys, once again, have uh, been sending in some fantastic uh, questions to us here on the JDP. You can tweet us at Josh's Dart History. Uh, you can also contact us uh, via the Facebook page. Just do a little search for Josh's Dartistry and you will find that. Uh, and you can also leave a question on our voicemail box, 07739 738329. And gentlemen, I'm very, very pleased to say that we have finally had a question left for us in our voicemail box. Excellent news. Is it 
able to... Is it Broadcastable. Broadcastable, that's the word. Yeah. Thankfully, yes. I don't have to do... Uh, good news. Very good news. I don't have to do news. any editing. Nobody's phoning up and abusing us, which is... Uh, which is always good. Yet. Uh, yet, yeah, we, we will get that. But no, uh, it's uh, perfectly broadcastable. And uh, we're going to play that question now. Hello, lads. It's Jordan here. My question is, what has Phil Taylor been doing since he retired? And do you ever think we'll see someone like him again? Yes. Okay, so there's Jordan there. He asked us, uh, what's Phil Taylor been up to since he retired? And uh, do we think we'll ever see the like of him again, Josh? Well, since Phil retired after his World Championship final in January, he's been very prevalent on the exhibition circuit. Also on the soft tip circuit as well. He, he's been down under, I think, in Australia for a bit. Then obviously over to Asia, been playing on the soft tip circuit. Lost in a soft tip final to Haruki Muramatsu, who will be featuring for the, in the World Cup of Darts for Japan. So although he's not playing competitive darts anymore, Phil, he's still, again, like I say, competing regularly on the exhibition circuit. And... I don't think we will ever see the like of Phil Taylor again, no. Obviously, 16 world titles, I think, in the modern game with the amount of quality players out there now. I mean, Michael Van Gerwen is reaching heights maybe that Phil didn't in terms of averages and performances, but I don't think his, his tally of titles will ever be eclipsed, no. Neil, uh, Phil Taylor, thoughts on uh, what he's been up to recently and uh, and uh, his legacy on the game? Yeah, I just had a, a quick look through his uh, his Twitter account over the, the past couple of weeks. It looks like he attended the Cologne v Bayern Munich football match uh, on the on the fifth of May, um, so he's obviously taken in some leisure time as well as these exhibition and, and soft tip tournaments that he's attending. Um, looking back, ninth of May, uh, he had a cooking lesson uh, and where he was learning to cook Indian food. So it's good to see that he is uh, managing to take some time out and and, and enjoy his, his retirement. I agree with Josh um, about whether we'll see anyone like him again. I think it will be very, very difficult to repeat that that tally of titles. So looking at 16 world championships, do I see anyone getting there again? No, I think it's a much more competitive uh, environment nowadays. So yes, that level and and the averages that he he hit may be met by the the top players nowadays, but the sustained periods of, of, of winning, I don't think can be met due to the um, the level of competition there is now. Yeah, and with Taylor, it's not just the world titles either, is it? I mean, it's all the other majors. and 16 match play titles as yeah, well. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. So uh, I would probably agree. I don't expect anybody to try and, to uh, sorry, to, to really uh, hit the numbers that, that Phil did. But uh, as you say, Neil, I think the game's changed a little bit. The game's moved on and the opportunity to be able to do that. As you say, Michael Van Gogh and Gary Anderson, two absolutely fantastic Players, great averages, wonderful darts players, but will they win 16 world titles between them and everything else that, that, that went in between? Possibly not. In fact, probably not. Um, as you say, Phil's very active on social media. Um, you see him on, on his Twitter account. I see he takes part in a lot of exhibition matches. He he does the post the um, the posters for those forthcoming events, uh, advertising himself, taking part in, in lots of exhibitions. Do you think we'll ever see him um, back on our screens for the PDC, obviously, I don't mean I don't mean playing um, a possible guest appearance as a, as a pundit, maybe um, offering some some comment. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I mentioned earlier when we were talking about Eric Bristow and the Grand Slam trophy being renamed after Eric, the World Match Play has been named in honour of Phil Taylor having won it 16 times. So I wouldn't be surprised with Phil having won it last year as well. He may well return for a bit of a, a guest appearance. He may well present yeah. the trophy. I'm just speculating. Um, but no, I'm sure they'll make every effort to. Uh to try and get him involved in some capacity, maybe as a pundit or or, or something. So yep. Yep. they won't want to let him rest. I'm sure they will be keen to get him involved. I think um, 
Winfield was ever on screen, uh, particularly his post-match interviews, often controversial. Let's be honest. You know, he did often make some uh, some comments that were sometimes near the mark on on a few occasions. But um, always interesting. You Made know. good TV though, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, absolutely. I think a Mardle Taylor. Punditry team could be very, very interesting. Yeah, they enjoyed a little bit of a tete-a-tete every now and they then and, and, and went head-to-head uh, on more than one occasion. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, if that is something that may or may not develop in the future. Okay, moving on. Uh, we've had a question coming from Rhys Cleland, and he asked the following. What do you think of the England Provisional World Cup pair? Obviously, Cross has to be there, but what opinions do we have on the inclusion of Chizzy? Neil, you've uh, touched on the World Cup quite a lot already this evening. Uh, what do you reckon? I agree. Cross is, you know, he's the world champion uh, and, and has to be there. I think if you were to pick a player based on uh, their form during the, 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 the first half of the year, you, you would probably pick Michael Smith, but obviously it hasn't, hasn't quite worked out like that. For me... Chisnell is a Dave Chisnell is a very good player. I would feel more comfortable with a Michael Smith or even an Adrian Lewis, someone that has delivered at the very, very highest level. So, yeah, maybe may a bit harsh on on, on Chizzy, but I would I think I'd go I'd prefer a Smith or Lewis. It's a difficult one. I mean, in the past, the PDC have said it's it's like an invitational event, so you can get a wild card selection. But I think they're basing it on the world rankings. And if we look at the moment, Dave Chisnell's the second highest ranked Englishman. So. Despite the fact Marcus Smith has been in better form than Dave this year, Dave is, is deserving of his spot. Obviously, he appeared in the tournament last year of Adrian Lewis, so he has got that experience of being in the World Cup, obviously off the format. He's a superb player on his day. He can beat anyone in the world, but I agree. I think with Marcus Smith and the way he's performed this year, he would probably give England a slightly better chance. But, you know, who are we to say Dave Chisholm could appear for England and, and take him to glory, so we'll see. Someone else who's had a bit of a, a renaissance in their career since the turn of the year. Josh, I wanted to ask you, James Wade, has he ever appeared in the World Cup for representing England? He did, John, but it didn't go too well. He appeared in the first ever World Cup of darts with Phil Taylor. They were ranked, Phil was ranked number one in the world, James was number two. They took on Spain in the first round in 2010 and they were beaten by... Um, Carlos Rodriguez and Antonio Arsenas. Oh dear, genuinely didn't know that. <laughs> perhaps, uh, perhaps I shouldn't have asked that. But um, again, what, you know, we've, we've touched on Wade's performance in uh, in some of the competitions, and, and he is enjoying a, a slightly better turning form. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think my 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 preferred option would be would be um, the ones you've mentioned in uh, in Cross and Smith personally. Um, okay, moving on uh, on Twitter at PDCFan180. Uh, they've asked us, is Peter Wright's inconsistency with darts detrimental to future success? Now, I'm guessing he means um, his actual darts, not the game, the, the darts that he, he throws. Josh? Yeah, I think he's referring to the constant changing of his equipment. Peter Wright is renowned for changing his darts constantly. I mean, it's a tough one because Phil Taylor and Raymond Van Barneville, two of the most successful players of all time, were often big tinkers with their, equip- with their equipment. They often change darts and... They're awfully striving to improve their game and, and improve. They don't want, want to stand still. So I don't criticise anyone for looking to try and improve and, and find that extra 5%. But I think it's very difficult if you're changing your darts week in, week out to get that consistency, to feel comfortable with what you're throwing. And I think with Peter Wright, I think this year he's been looking for something that's not really there. I mean, he's beaten Marco Van Gogh in twice in the Premier League. But apart from that, he's, he's, he's underperformed, let's be honest. He was a finalist last year. And he's finished seventh this year. And I think he's just been looking for something that's not quite there. I think if he can stick to a set of darts, build up his consistency, get his confidence up, then I think we could see the Peter Wright of last year. I think P- 
Peter Wright is far more qualified than I am uh, to to work out whether he should be changing his darts as frequently as he does. I think Josh made a good point that possibly he's looking to do that because uh, he's always striving to get to the next level and, and, and to improve that little bit further. We've seen what a good player he is. We've seen him in a World Championship final. We've seen him in other major finals. So Peter is probably looking um, to make some small adjustments that can really kick him on to, to the next level and make him a, a consistent major winner rather than the, the, the one-off title that he's, that he's actually won. I think the comments about Peter Wright starts and, and the constant changing of his equipment, sometimes and questioning whether it's uh, whether it detrimental to him, I think it's a little bit unfair because, listen, Peter's in the, in the, in the top four or five players in the world. He didn't get there for no good reason. Okay, there's a, and if it, if it involves him every now and then changing his equipment and tweaking his tweaking how he does things, it's fantastic. I, I reckon there's hundreds of players out there who regularly change their equipment who've had nowhere near the success that that Peter Wright's managed to achieve in his game. So I, th- I think the I think the, the criticism of of, of Wright's changing is no. I have to disagree. I have to disagree. I know what you're saying. I, know, I understand what you're saying. But you look at Marco Van Gerwen. Has he changed his darts over but, the last but, ten years? No, but Peter Wright's. More in the public eye than, than a lot of them. Does anyone does anyone talk about? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't even throw a name out. But could, does anyone talk about the 120th ranked player in the world consistently changing his starts? No, they don't because he's not on television every week. Yeah, but if you look at Peter Wright, he's had most success over the last few years thrown with the same darts. The darts that won in the UK Open. The darts that got him to the World Match Play final. Some of the darts he's thrown this year have been some of the darts he's used. I mean, not the darts he's thrown, but have just been completely for him. They're just not right. They're just not right. I mean, he's been using longer points different weights all the time. If you're trying to adjust your throw to different weights of darts every week, it's impossible to keep up your consistency. I'm not criticising his ability. He's a fantastic player. And I agree with Neil and you in terms of the fact he's more qualified than us to, to judge his own game. But I think he's got to try and stick to a, to a set, really, to build up that consistency. But what if he sticks to a set? What if he commits to a set and finds that his, his, his form dips? What if it is the constant changing and the updating that keeps him at peak condition? All right, we, we can say that in the Premier League he's he's not done as well as perhaps he'd hoped, but he got there in the first place. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. But if you look last year, he was, he had a fantastic year. He, he won the UK Open. He got to the World Match Play final. Got to the Grand Slam final. He didn't change his darts as much last year, and I think that I think that showed in terms of his results. He was really consistent. I I think personally. Peter Wright does change his darts a little too much. And I think even his wife, Joe has been badgering him to stick with the set he's been using when he beat Marco Van Gerwen in the, in the Premier League this year. If he does, I think we'll see a, a vast improvement in his consistency. I, th- I think it's very difficult to say that that's the cause of, of a loss of form. I think there's so many different factors that, that, that I agree. come it's into not the, it. It's not and the it's, only one. And if, if you look at other sports, if you look at golf... Quite often, how often, you know, you listen on the telly and they say he's pulled a new putter out this week or he's rebuilding a certain part of his swing. So there are many, many factors that I think need to be considered. Um, And as I say, I think only Peter knows whether the changing of the darts is doing him any good or whether it's it's causing some, some inconsistency in his form. Okay, good answers, guys. Well done. Um, Let's move on. Tungsten Darts has uh, sent us a question, and it reads as follows. With darts being considered a working man's game, what's your thoughts on the increasing prices of darts by a certain manufacturer? Exploiting the fans? Question mark. Or are the fans just stupid for paying that much? Uh, Controversial, Josh. Over to you. (laughs) Thanks for going to me first on that one. (laughs) Listen, I mean... 
I must admit, I'm not particularly up to date with the price of darts, to be honest. I think the, the latest set I bought, well, you won't be surprised to hear Raymond Van Barneville when he joined Target in July 2017. Of course there were. It's a case of supply and demand, in my opinion. If the demand's there and people are wanting to, to you know, fork out for that, for the darts, for those prices, I think good luck to them. I don't I, think... I, th- I think the sport is... is has moved on significantly well, over recent years. Yeah, you, I was going to say, Neil, the opening line is, we, uh, and thanks for the question, um, but the opening line is, with darts being considered a working man's game, is darts a working man's game anymore? I think it is to an extent. I mean, you look at some sports like cricket and golf and the amount of equipment you need, you know, it's, it's very, very expensive, whereas darts, you just need a set of darts and a board. Let you need a little bit more than that, Josh. You need a plane ticket halfway around the world on, on, on a lot no, of No, no, I'm not talking about the, the elite. Top yeah, level. I'm not talking about the elite tour. I'm talking about just in general. I mean, even even local cricket, you look at all the equipment with pads and bats and everything, it's, it's quite costly, whereas for darts, it is relatively cheap. But I agree with you. I mean, the game has moved on to such an extent now where you're, you know, even pro tours at a weekend now, you're, you're £10,000 a pop if you win a, a title. So I think... The supply is there. I think the demand is there. So I have no problem with it myself. Uh, he asked, are the fans just stupid for paying that much? Again, Josh mentions uh, supply and demand. If, if, if you're after a, a better quality product and you are looking to, to take your darts seriously, then then who are we or or indeed anybody else to, to question whether they want to they wanna fork out for, the, for that, Neil? Yeah, I agree. Um, it's up to the fans what the, what they want to pay if they're happy to do so. You know, if you want to pay £50 for a, for a football shirt... That, that that's your call, but I, as I say, I think the game's moved on significantly, um, and has much more worldwide appeal now. Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes that leads to an escalation in in, in prices uh, for not only darts, for tickets to events, um, and 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 merchandise at at those events. We've mentioned many times how we feel uh, the standard of the game uh, has probably moved on um, in the last I don't know fifteen years. A lot of that comes from the, the manufacturers being able to invest in their product um, and, and bring the, the best players in the world, the very best quality quality products. I'm sure the darts and whether it's the, the tips, the flights, the stems, whatever it is, that there are gone miles ahead in terms of the technology that they use to oh, produce definitely. these things and, 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 and the way they perform. Um, and, and, and unfortunately, that's a bit of a byproduct uh, of the manufacturing game and, and, and the fans are going to take a hit on that. But... Um, for me, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't really have a major issue with it, to, to, to be honest. Okay, next question. John Thompson, uh, I don't know if it's the John Thompson, uh, but John Thompson asks, uh, interested to get your takes on who will be the next new player to win a PDC ranking title, Josh? Difficult one, this now, because the vast majority of the top 32 have, have now won a PDC ranking title, whether it be a major event or a floor event or a Euro Tour event. Um... I would say one. I would. I'd say Jamie Lewis. Obviously, he came mm-hmm. to. He really. His, his kind of breakthrough was the World yep. Championship last year. Got to the semi-finals. Was superb. I mean, his performance against Peter Wright in the second round was a real highlight. Followed that up against James Richardson and obviously Darren Webster in reaching the semis and where he lost to Phil Taylor. But he's, he's not quite hit the ground running in 2018. He's reached a couple of of Pro Tour quarterfinals. Got to the quarterfinals of the European Darts Grand Prix last week in Sindelfingen. But Jamie Lewis has got a real good temperament, fantastic action. I think he's one to watch. He's still relatively young as well, so he's got a lot of a lot of time ahead of him. Yeah, good call. Uh, I've watched a lot of the um, the Pro Tour and the Euro Tour over the over the past few weeks, and it's been good to see the likes of the Ferret, Johnny Clayton, Jeffrey Deswan, 
for me, has John Henderson won anything, Josh? Because I think he's. That's a good call. I don't think he has. No. Yeah. So for me, it could be Hendo. I think when he when he gets hot, uh, as he proved uh, last year, he can take out big players. Okay, I'm going to throw a name at you now, who uh, who I think could be a, could be a tip and uh, might entice you with a cheeky little fiver. Christo Reyes, Josh. Yeah, very good call. I mean, I think 18 months ago now, Christo was playing superb darts. He lost to Marco van Gerwen in the world in an incredible match, 104 average he lost with Christo. Slightly gone off the ball in recent times, but he's starting to get his form back, and I think he beat James Wade over the weekend in Holland. Yes, he did. That's certainly a good scout, the way Wade's been playing recently. Okay, so there's three or four names there uh, that we think could be the next new player to win a a PDC ranking title. If you're looking to have a little flutter, then uh, they might be the names that you might be interested in. Uh, Moving on, uh, we've had a question in from Mr. Gary Brown. Hello, Gary, friend of the show. And he has asked, what is the most nine darters hit in a major championship? I am going to ask Josh. Good question, Gary. Uh, the answer is the 2010 Premier League. There were three nine darts hit throughout the tournament. Obviously, it's the longest major tournament on the PDC calendar. Yeah. You've got obviously the league phase, followed by the playoffs. Raymond Van Barnard hit one against Terry Jenkins in the league phase. And in the 2010 final, it was Phil Taylor hit two nine darters in one game. That famous final at the O2 Arena where he defeated James Wade 10-8. Yeah, incredible. So three nine darters in the 2010 Premier League. There's been multiple occasions where there's been two nine darters hit in a tournament. The World Championships a few years back, I think Terry Jenkins and Carl Anderson hit a nine darter on the same day in the World Championship. We've had the World Grand Prix where James Wade and Robert Thornton hit a nine darter each in the same match. The 2012 match play, Van Gerwen and Wes Newton hit a nine darters. I think two in two days it was. So there's been multiple occasions where there's been two in a tournament, but... The 2010 Premier League takes it in terms of the most in a major tournament. And yet to see one in the uh, 2018 Premier League. Yeah, the, we haven't seen one for quite a while now. I think the only two nine darters in the Premier League since 2015, I think, were both hit by Adrian Lewis. Hopefully he's not featuring this year. So we could well see one in the playoffs. Let's hope so. What do you think, Neil? Fancy, uh, fancy a, a, a nine darter in the, in the playoffs? Yeah, it could happen. Uh, I think... Anderson came close, didn't he, uh, yeah, two or three the, weeks Missed back. the double 12. Double 12, yeah. So, uh, with the quality of player, it's always a possibility. Well, that concludes the question and answer session. Uh, thanks for sending in all your questions. You can contact us at Josh's Dartistry on Twitter or via the Facebook page or leave us a voicemail on 0773-738-329. Well, we've come to the end of the show. That is it for episode three. Josh, how do you think that went? Yeah, really enjoyed it. Thanks, John. Busy show again, action-packed. I'm pleased with my performance in Challenge Josh. So, yeah, I think that's probably my highlight. And hopefully the interview with Wayne was great as well. Neil, were you pleased with Josh's performance in Challenge Josh? He did well. Uh, I think we need to crank it up for the next episode, to be honest. Okay, uh, with regards to the podcast, um, obviously we've been uploading uh, the podcast to Josh's website. Don't forget, you can check that out. Uh, go to www.joshysdartistry.com. Uh, we've also been uploading to YouTube um, for the first two episodes. We'll be doing the same for this episode, episode three, but I do believe we may now be looking to move on to uh, uploading uh, the podcast for iTunes uh, subscribers, so you'll be able to... Um, 
to subscribe to the Josh's Data History via iTunes. Keep your eyes on the Twitter page. We will announce when that is available. Um, we are conscious of um, the comments we've had about people listening to it on YouTube. And obviously, if your phone closes, um, it stops playing it and it's a little bit of a, a pain in the backside and inconvenience. So don't worry, folks. We are looking at um, going to iTunes soon. We just wanted to have a few uh, episodes under our belt before we before we went to that. And if we're successful with a, a launch on iTunes, then obviously we'll look at other mediums that we can uh, put it on, uh, be it SoundCloud, Audio Boom, stuff like that, Spreaker perhaps. Um, but just keep your eyes on the uh, Josh's Data History Twitter page uh, and we'll keep you updated with, with what's happening with that and where you can download the very latest episode of the JDP. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much. Josh, thank you. Yeah, thanks, John. Been a pleasure. And uh, Neil, thank you very much. Yep, thank you. Looking forward to the finals. And uh, we'll see you for episode four of the JDP. Good night. Just shit, stop this drink. Just shit, stop this drink. Just shit, stop this drink.